The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual guests. You're a sensitive snowflake that may get easily offended and turn this off immediately. If you want to hear the real truth about the gun culture, then stick around. This is the Armed Citizen Podcast. What is going on, my ghost squad? Welcome to the Armed Citizen Podcast Live. This is episode number 208. Today's date is Tuesday, September 14th. 2021 we are live as always on youtube on facebook on twitter all of the uh crazy places that will have us um if you're out there live say something in the chat we don't know that you're out there unless you do say something if you're new to the channel new to the show once again say something out there let us know where you're from let us know that we're popping your cherry and we'll get going uh just like lance out there off the x's he's a long-range virgin um so i think there's gonna be some of those tonight i'm i'm probably i would consider myself a long-range version i've got some experience in it but nothing extensive sure as hell not in competition we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight uh if you want to call in or text in yes you can call or text into the show utilize the ghost tactical hotline presented by our good friends rod shelly gates over at aegis gun care that phone number is 530-364-4678. If you're out there and a veteran, really anyone, but especially if you're a veteran and you're in that hole, that dark place, and you're looking for that light, and hell, you're questioning if there's light out there anymore at all, first of all, call me, text me, email me 24-7. I uh, cannot give you medical advice, but I sure as hell can probably be a decent ear to listen to. If you're looking for someone that can point you in the direction of medical help and all of that, Please remember two things. One, you're not alone. Okay, you have a lot of brothers and sisters out here that are willing to uh, do anything we can to help you through this time. And two, the world is a much better place with you in it. So please utilize the Veteran Crisis Hotline. That number is 1-800-273-8255. Once again, 1-800-273-8255, the Veteran Crisis Hotline. September is suicide prevention month so if you're out there please 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 um get some help call me like i said you you're not alone so we can we can admit we can help you out full show um so yeah if you are uh we're spotlighting the marine corps as always if you want to find out more information what it takes to earn the title of the united states marine check out the website marines.com and as always, we're a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. It's a great website with like-minded pro-gun, pro-2A, pro-freedom podcasts out there. A lot of your favorite podcasts are already over there. So check out selfdefenseradio.net. Let me get this off of my ugly mug and bring in some of my buddies to uh, go down this rabbit hole, if you will, with me. From the big sky out there in Montana, we've got the Rogue Banshee. What's up, Holmes? Not much, man. Thanks for having me on. Um, you know, we have a lot of big skies, so we got a lot of long range that we can shoot out here. So this is a, this yes, is a good conversation do. for me. Absolutely. I uh, want a quick shout out. says Foster Haynes is out there. First time joining and just starting to look at long range. Same here, my friend. So we're in the same boat. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that uh, I've been going through 
getting advice from a lot of people that I respect and know that uh, have been doing this for a while. So you're in the right place. You're in the right place. And from the great state of Texas, the tactical virus, <laughs> and, um, uh, Leprechaun himself. What's up, Clover? How you doing? I didn't do it, man. I think you did. I, I think you did. I, I just no. don't think you want to admit it. I, I would have to see the video. Well, there, that's a problem. Uh, we all know you did it, but having proof that you did is a whole different issue. So right. I guess well, I guess you're safe. I guess it's the only safe. way I roll, man. It's the only way I roll. Well, those leprechauns are sneaky bastards, you know. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's let's say hello to some of the people out there before we get going. Uh, looks like uh, G Webs was first out there. He said he w just went outside. Let me put this up on the screen. Just went outside and put a golf ball on a tee. Why? I don't know, but I'd like to see a video of that. Let's see who learns enough after watching tonight's chat to hit it within three shots. I might be able to help you with that. Uh, Bucks out there, gun loving grandpa, 223 DMRs out there. Uh, Gunpowder Beauty, hello, darling. TJ's out there. What's up, TJ? Rich White, the 1% out there. He says, howdy, folks. Um, Jesse says, I'm trying to stay awake this time on the last run of medication to get rid of feels like COVID, but keeps getting negative tests. You know, there's some people out there that are having a lot of symptoms but may not actually have the cough cough, but uh, the symptoms are real for sure. Uh, let's see here. Rogue's out there pulling double duty. Off the X, like I said, Lance said he's a long-range virgin. Uh, Keith Gregory, my favorite squids out there. What's up, squid? Snob's out there. He says, yo. You know, the thing about snob is he always says that, but I don't think he knows much more than two-letter words. So he's got to keep it simple with snob. So uh, I don't know if they do they have more than two-letter or two-syllable words in Oklahoma. I'm not sure they do or not, but what's up, snob? You've got a link if you'd like to join us. Rob D, the New York outcast out there. I just ordered some um, a nice little AR. He does a lot of really great um, display wood display for firearms, whether ARs or rifles or Glocks or whatever. I just ordered one over the weekend. I'm looking forward to getting that in. Uh, Buck says my long range is 234 yards. That's because we go to the same range and are right now currently our range. I think it's 238. Um, but we're going to extend that to about three, three fifty here pretty soon, which would be nice. But yeah, his long range is out there. He actually probably has more than that in his backyard if he ever wanted to. Uh, let's see. G 23s out there. Idaho Rogers, USMC, Semper Fidelis brother. Uh, M Gabriel's out there. What's going on, Gabe? And Mr. F and H is up there. And he says, why does Tactical Rifle always go live in unison with you? I don't know. I don't even know who, no offense, I don't know who that is. So, yeah, I mean, he might be a lot more entertaining. He's probably better looking for sure. So, it's it's what it is. I I got no problems with people going live and trying to cork. It's it's free game. It's free airwave. Uh, air so, do what you got to do. You can always watch this and replay if you'd like. It's up to you. Let's see here. Am I missing you on Warsaw's out there? Uh, okay. Michael, oh man, I'm going to butcher your last name. I apologize. Michael Grimel, Grimel. Hello from Missouri. Hello from Arkansas. How are you? Sandy's out there. What's up, Sandy? How are you? And Sandy, if you want a link, I can get you a link. Just let me know. And Aegis out there. Rod and Shelley are out there. So, yeah. 
All right. So you guys know before we kind of kick into what we talk about on the the topic, we go through uh, some polls we put out. We always put out three polls throughout the week. It's been kind of a fun thing to do, and it's one of our more popular segments of the show. And let's kind of go over to the first one. This one was I put out five days ago. It's got over 700 votes on it. I said, what is the best part of a pizza? Toppings, crust, cheese, or the sauce? Rogue, what about you? The best part of a pizza, my man. That's tough. Which pizza? But I would say overall. Just just, just answer the damn (laughs) question. (laughs) Uh, I would say toppings. Toppings? Okay. Um, Clover's going to come up with some weird shit. So uh, let's hear what you got to say, Clove. Well, I mean, crust is definitely out because, I mean, if you were just going to eat the crust, you'd get breadsticks, right? That's true. That's fair. So, you I, know, I so that's gone. Crust, I don't even like the crust, so I, I usually get thin yeah. crust myself. So, you know, then it comes down to the toppings or the cheese. Okay. And I don't know. The toppings are more unique, right? So, uh, yeah, I would go toppings. Typically, the toppings are what you get to choose. A cheese, unless you spe- specify something different, they're going to put whatever mix of cheese they already have on there. So toppings right. are really the only way you can customize it. So like right. I said, with 700-plus votes, uh, leading with 45% of the vote is toppings. Coming in at second place with 24% is cheese. Crust at third place with 21%. And sauce nine percent now i will say that my favorite part of a pizza is the toppings but what i will say is this the wrong kind of or a bad sauce can ruin any pizza i don't care what kind of good toppings you have a bad sauce can ruin it so um i would say the best part of the toppings but ultimately the worst part could be the sauce that's just my opinion now frank out there does say it's all about the sauce i like i said i don't think it's the best part but it's definitely the most crucial part uh because it doesn't matter what toppings you have it doesn't matter if you just have a cheese pizza or a supreme or meat lovers whatever you put on there the weird some bitches that put pineapple shit on theirs i don't know but you have a bad sauce and that pizza is worthless so yeah uh the second poll little music poll for you and 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 i get it people want to you know it has 31 comments on this one and i i understand that people don't like my choices and that's okay but i said of the following who is the best guitar player of all time and i put david gilmore who's one of my fairies from pink floyd eric clapton the sad thing is I think David Gilmore might be the only one on this list that you actually have to say who he is, and he's with Pink Floyd. But Eric Clapton slash Eddie Van Halen and Jimi Hendrix. So of those five, Clover, I'm going to start with you. You play a guitar. Who's your favorite? Of those five, who's your favorite guitar player? Which one did I, I don't even know. You know, Hendrix was not that great of a guitar player. He was. I mean, don't was, get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. He was, he was good. He was but as far as innovation, yeah, and what he did was, was right. amazing. But as far as skills as a guitarist, uh, who was the who was the Eddie Van Halen was in there, right? Yep, yep. You know, Eddie Van Halen might be the most technically best guitar yeah, player of all time. Yeah. Technically, if he you're, does. If you're talking about if you're talking about throw anything to play at any one of those, like here's some. 
Spanish so, classical so guitar music. Him or Clapton are, are probably both very. I, I think Clapton is is way more, more bluesy, way more yeah. bluesy, right? And I th- I just think Eddie with with the finger work that Eddie is capable of doing, uh, he yeah. could do like classical Spanish guitar or pretty much yeah. anything. I think so. Uh, yeah. you know, raw talent as far as guitar, as far as across the board, could play literally anything he wanted to play, uh, and it sound great and be huge at doing it probably eddie yeah yep now this one was close to making my list but i couldn't take any of those other four other those other five off the list mark knopfler dire straits if you guys are familiar love mark knopfler love dire straits um great guitar i just i i I only got five choices and i didn't see him taking the place of any of those because they're all great in their own way they all change guitar playing in their own way um but yeah knopfler is great uh, Dwayne Allman. Dwayne Allman's another good one. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of great guitar players out there. Full show. Now, Rich is a smart man. He said, of the five Gilmore, let me some Pink Floyd. If you've never heard... See, a lot of people don't don't listen to Pink Floyd. They think it's weird music. They, they've never heard of it. Um, but it's beautiful. that they, they really have some beautiful music. And David Gilmore is a phenomenal guitar player. Uh, Rogue, going to come to you. Of the five... Who would you have chosen? See, I'm having a I'm having a problem between Gilmore and Eddie Van Halen. Um, I love I Pink Floyd, but I I also liked that Eddie Van Halen played his guitar with an electric drill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, no one I've never seen anyone take a Dewalt drill and go down the neck with it while they're playing. Uh, that being said, he only does it for like. 10, uh, not even 10 seconds in the song. Uh, I think Gilmore is going to win uh, over that just because, well, he just he just kind of mellows out and it's just kind of, he plays music that you can just sit sit back and just relax to. Yep. AWAG says, sorry, late to the party as always. Long range shooting is my drug. Yeah. Uh, Sandy says, no love for Carlos Santana. Man, there are probably 25 or 30 I mean, you could have put, I mean, you could have, I mean, Pete Townsend is a phenomenal guitar player. People don't realize George Harrison was a great guitar player. Um, I mean, Chuck Berry, Chuck Berry changed guitar. I mean, you know, it was he a great guitar player. I don't know, but he changed. He made the electric guitar like something. Um, Yeah. I mean, Jimmy Page, good Lord. I mean, a lot of them out there. Uh, Angus Young, yeah, for sure. BB King, no doubt. A lot of them. Um, before we kind of go in, I, I want to say the results with over 500, 535 votes leading, surprisingly, at 55% is Jimi Hendrix. Second place at 21% is Eddie Van Halen. Third place with 12% is Eric Clapton. Fourth place at 7% is Slash. And coming in dead ass last, which is a little surprising and disappointing for me, David Gilmore with four percent. It is what it is. Um, <laughs> Idaho Roger says I have seen bar fights over this kind of question. Exactly. So I want to go back to Rogue real quick and say, okay, take those five people off the list. If you had to pick your favorite guitar player of all time, who would that be? Man, that's a tough one. Um. Tom Morello is a great one. Uh, forgot about Tom I'm, Morello. Yeah. 
Stevie Ray Vaughan, right? Shit, right, you know, Prince. Right Prince now, can play a damn guitar. We'll put it that way. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Right now, like right at this moment, I'm actually kind of digging Lizzie Hale from Hailstorm. Okay, don't know who that is, but I'll check him out. Her, her. There you go. Even worse. Yeah. I, Hailstorm. I'll have to go check. I have no idea. I've never heard of them. G twenty three says Dimebag Daryl. Who the hell is Dimebag Daryl? Really? I never heard of Dimebag. Who who is Dimebag Daryl? What? I'm asking you. Don't don't act like I'm a fucking idiot because I am. But who is Dimebag Daryl? Pantera. Uh, oh, I wasn't a Pantera fan, so there you go. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Now Willie Nelson for what he did. Really, really good as well. Yeah. Oh, there's some country artists that are great. Brad Pays is a great guitar player. Vince, uh, Vince, um, Vince Gill, great guitar player. Um, all right, Clover, who's your favorite guitar player of all time? I don't know. Good okay. Lord. Really? Really? I give, you, I give um, you like 17 minutes to think about it. Well, yeah. I mean, you you didn't mention Les Paul while you were talking about. Well, okay. Les Paul, I mean, the Godfather guitar. Okay. You, you're you right. didn't mention Billy Gibbons. You didn't mention uh, Neil Young, Joe Perry. Okay. Um, good really? Lord. How many others are there? Right. Well, the guy from the Stones, Keith. Um, yeah, Keith Richards. Keith Richards. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's there's so many great ones. There really are. Um, for me, I went with the five that I enjoy listening to the most. Mm -hmm. um, Jimi Hendrix, once again, not because his technical playing ability, but he changed the way that people looked at a guitar. He pushed the boundaries at the time yeah. of what a guitar could probably do. Eric Clapton, slow hand, man. I mean, enough said. Eddie Van Halen, probably the most technical the best technical guitar player of all time slash here's the thing about slash even if it's not a guns and roses song if he's playing on someone's song and you hear his guitar you know immediately that slash he's just yeah. got that sound and then david gilmore you know go listen to comfortably numb and tell me he's not a great guitar player just saying yeah jennings was a good country so so Waylon jennings people don't know a lot of people don't realize this is Waylon Jennings was the guitar player for Buddy Holly and was supposed to be on the flight that Buddy Holly and the Big Bopper and Richie Valens died on, but lost a bet to a roadie, and he had to go take the bus. True, true story. Waylon Jennings almost wasn't Waylon Jennings, put it that way. Um, so, yeah. Any love for Nancy? Nancy Wilson. No shit. Absolutely. Yeah. Nancy yeah. Wilson can right. absolutely hammer a guitar no well, doubt that's what it. i was fixing to say we haven't mentioned any any of the uh any Nita of the Ford wasn't bad. Uh, Nita Ford was pretty rocking yeah mm -hmm. um uh what am i thinking uh mary ford talking mary old ford. school now jeff Monty healy Ray. People realize jeff healy is jeff healy was unbelievable rest in peace uh jeff healy was amazing oh yeah yeah uh yep. yeah all right, and the third question. We always try to put something out there for the gun lovers out there. I uh, put this out yesterday. It's got 370 votes. Kind of ties into nine. I said, what's the best cartridge for long-range competition shooting? Your choices, 6mm Creedmoor, 6.5 Grindel, 
308 65 Creedmoor or 65 PRC. Clover, what say you of those of those choices? Um, what would you say that for long range competition shooting? Man, I know mm, 65 PRC. Okay, all right. Uh, Rogue, what about you? I'm kind of having an identity crisis. I want so want to say 308, but I have to go 65 Creed. Okay. Um, so the results 370 votes, 49% leading, and 49% is 308. 36% at second place is 65 Creed. Tied for third at 6% is 6'5 Grindle and 6'5 PRC. And coming in last with 3% is 6mm Creedmoor. So there you go. So what we're going to do is I want to start a new, uh, a new segment also after this. We're going to find something because I want to start spotlighting, not necessarily gun shops, because that's been done a lot. But I want to start spotlighting some really cool ranges that people have in their areas. Um, so it's not just ranges, but, uh, I like them when they're, they're from, they got a cool story and all of that behind them, not just a good range, but a cool story. So I'm going to go, it just happens to be a funny town name also here in Arkansas. It's about 45 minutes from me. It's, it's a town called bald knob. Yes. I said bald knob, Arkansas. The uh, founding fathers had a really good sense of humor there. It's a town of about 3000 people. Um, Really cool kind of little place. Got a really good restaurant called the Bulldog. Great sandwiches and desserts and all that. But they've got a range, and it's one of the the longest ranges here in Arkansas. Uh, and it's been open. It's it's been open for about ten years, but not as long of a range as it has in the last couple years. But it's. I'm going to share. Let me share the screen. Um, do this. Let me get rid of this. Share screen. Um, and let's do this and our out here. You guys see that? Okay. It's called vets shooting center in bald knob. And it's uh, now open for member signups. Uh, the, the clubhouse pre slash shop or whatever is open uh, 11 to five Friday, Saturday and Sunday and Monday member shooting hours are 8 a.m. till dark seven days a week. Uh, dues are 150 are good for a year discounted to 125 for active or prior military and uh, law enforcement plus an additional 10%. Um, but it goes out to about 810 yards right now. And I believe I've talked to someone they're trying to, in the process of acquiring land, they're going to get well over a thousand yards and trying to get it maybe up to a mile at some point, uh, available. But, um, um, if you're in Arkansas and you're looking to go some long range vets and it's, it's owned and operated by, uh, army veterans. That's why it's called vet shooting center. But, um, you also get discounted transfer fees on firearm and class three items, as well as discounted training classes. They've got a full line of gunsmithing, one-off parts, custom rifle builds, rebarreling, stock inletting, embedding, bluing, Cerakote, Glock RMR, slide cuts, slide cuts, polymer pistol stippling, cleaning and servicing, refinished stocks of metal. And it's got some pictures here of some of their work. Pretty cool, Cerakoting and all of that. But um, 
Yeah. So I wanted to kind of start doing that. So what I want everyone to do out there is if you've got a range and it could be a gun shop slash range, but I want it to be a range that you've got in your area or you know in your state or whatever, and you want to, to be spotlighted. Um, the email is down in the description below. It's armcitizenpodcast at gmail.com. Go ahead and send me uh, maybe the name of the range and hopefully maybe like a website link or something. And we'll try to get those spot. We're going to spotlight a new range every week and, and maybe help people in that area to where if they don't know where a range is. They, they can be introduced or they don't know, Hey, this range does this. It has capabilities of doing this. There might be someone out there that says, I mean, I've been looking for somewhere to go to do that. So we are going to uh, start spotlighting ranges every week. <clears throat> uh, AWAG. Well, let's go ahead and do this one. He said, if you're ever in the coastal area of South Carolina, hit me up. I have a range that I can shoot over 1.6 miles. It's private property, though. I stay away from South Carolina because Night Strike lives there. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> no. I, would, I would love to go down there and shoot sometime. Uh, I, I plan on me going out to North Carolina next year at least once. Do some training with uh, my buddy Ron Holmes out there. Um, but South Carolina is not too far. I might fly into South Carolina or something, spend a day or two with you and then go up to North Carolina or do it reverse on the way home or something like that. So what we're going to talk about tonight is the idea of, um, getting into long range precision competition shooting like PRS, NRL, some of the CMP bench rest stuff or whatever. Um, I, you know, I, I've, I've got experience shooting long range. Um, you know, we shot, we had to be proficient in different weapon systems in the Marines. So I had to learn to shoot the 308, you know, the, I think it was a Remington 700 308. And I um, probably had about 50 rounds in that, just kind of get familiarized with it, how to learn different things and all that, just in case you never know what's going to happen. Uh, Simplify, Jason. Um, so you had to be proficient in different different platforms just in case. So I've got a little bit. I've shot some long range stuff. I've shot over 1,000 yards a couple different times. First time was with a buddy of mine's 338 Lapua. The great thing about that is here I had everything dialed in. He knew what the hold was for that day. All I really had to do was sit down behind it, side in, hey, hold here, squeeze a trigger, boom. Hit the steel at 1,000 yards. Easy peasy. <laughs> then Clover and I and Rod and Shelly from Aegis a couple years back went down and spent a weekend with our good friend Charlie Melton down at his place in Texas and shot with him. And he introduced me to the 6.5 Creed. And I obviously knew about the 6.5, but I never shot the 6.5 Creed at that time. And Clover, can, he was there. Matter of fact, his 308 got uh, yeah. had to get a new little Cerakote job on that uh, because of a storm that rolled in. Literally, when we were out in the middle of nowhere, there was no, easy, there was no way we were avoiding the storm. Wow. Where we were, we were 20 minutes from anywhere. We were stuck. And... I don't know how many shots. I would say I probably shot 20, 20 or so shots probably with that 6.5 Cree with Charlie, and he was trying to help Maybe. me. 30 mile hour crosswind. Yeah. I, is that about I mean, it was about 20, roughly? You it, know. Was, it was bad, yeah. And 
never hit it. And then um, the last shot I finally hit, we didn't know we hit until the next day, which is funny. Um, but blowing straight across, and it was just, it was nuts. But um, that kind of got me fired up about it. And, and I've been wanting to in my mind to get involved with the last couple of years has been weird for everyone and all of that. But I've, I've made the conscious decision that this is going to sound bad. Uh, and you guys jump in, but it's going to sound bad. Um, I love pistols. Everyone knows that I love shooting pistols. I used to shoot pistol competition with IDPA, but the problem is, is I'm not saying I don't love it or I don't get excited about shooting pistols anymore, but it's just something that I do so much and, and all of that. It's kind of just, I find myself going through the motions, if you will, and I'm, I've been looking for something to kind of maybe push me to expand not only uh, disciplines, but my knowledge, my experiences, and all of that. And I kind of, the last month or so, I was like, what can I do that's going to get me excited about going to the range, get me excited about learning something new and all of that? And Clover's been wanting to get me into lever guns and revolvers, and I just, I, I still, I get rashes. So I went back to, I would, let's go do some long range stuff. So spent the last month, I've been on the phone a lot with Clover, picking his brain with Charlie Melton, um, with Cole, a guy that that does some long range stuff, a lot of different people that I know and trust and and respect their opinions and just trying to gather and soak in as much information and, and figure out what the best route is. And I know that you can go and spend a, a shit ton of money. You know, some people's loadouts are $25,000, between rifle and scopes and, and bipods and all of that for these things. I don't have that kind of, of, of flow. So um, I kind of set aside a number in my head that I wanted to kind of stay around. And what I've kind of decided on is um, a Bergara B14 BMP rifle and 6.5 Creedmoor. And the optic, I, I thought I was set on a Vortex Strike Eagle, and I, and I very well still could. But in the last, well, today uh, alone, I, I've had two conversations with some people at Bushnell, uh, my buddy CJ were at Bushnell, and we were talking about different things. And then I, I got introduced to, um, I, I'd heard of their name before, but to my knowledge, whether I have or not, I don't know. But to my knowledge, I've never spoken with anyone, and I've never shot with any of their optics. I'm sure I have, but I didn't know it. Uh, but Athlon Optics, and end up having a nice, awesome back and forth um, with, the, with, with a guy from Athlon going over. He shoots also, but kind of going over, hey, you might want to look at this, and here's what you're looking for you know, and all of that. So it's one of those things where I don't know where I met right now on optics. Um, I know that I don't want to go and spend three to $5,000 on an optic right now. I'm not there yet. My goal, and, and I want to bring Rogue and Clover in here, but my goal is to have a really solid base. I know that eventually if I get into this seriously, I know that I'm going to have to upgrade. I'm going to have to do all of that. But I want to be able to get into a rifle, and I got into a rifle about about a thousand dollars or so, um, an optic, you know, that's going to be good, serviceable, with all the features that I need, without having to be a three thousand dollar optic or scope. So uh, right now I'm looking like at a five twenty five by fifty five or fifty six, 
Uh, and that's kind of what that strike eagle is. Athlon's got one. Uh, Bushnell's got one. There are a few other brands that have been uh, kind of relayed to me. I said, hey, you might want to try these. Look at these and all of that. Um, the great thing about that I've found out with today's technology, there are a lot of great optics and scopes out there that are going to be really quality for less money than they were five, 10 years ago because the technology is so good and readily available to companies that the glass clarity and quality um, is going to be to where they, you don't have to go and spend as much. Do you get more for the money? Probably. Um, but I don't want to be there yet. I know that it will be there eventually, but I don't want to be, I want to start this as a beginner and say on a budget, can I get into a loadout that will keep me, how do I put this competitive? I'm not, I know I'm not going to go win anything. I know I'm not, I'm not there to win right now. I'm there to learn, to watch and to get experience right away. But I don't want to be put behind an eight ball. I'm trying to find stuff that I can find for decent prices that are still quality products that will keep me in the fight. Um, and I've talked with Clover extensively over the last month about this. Uh, Rogue, I know that you have been contemplating some long range stuff as well. Um, what are you, what have been your thought processes so far when you're just thinking about gear, whether it's rifle, whether it's bipods, it's optics, it's, you know, ballistic calculators, whatever, what's been your, are you going to jump in heads in? Or are you going to kind of take a step back and, and figure stuff out? I, I, you know, I'm going through analysis paralysis right now, just like you are, you know, <laughs> right. what, what scope am I going to do? What caliber am I going to do? Um, you know, I, I think I've decided on six, five Creed more, which then I have an identity crisis because I have so much 308 running around. It's yeah. like, well, then I get to 308. Now I got to buy another caliber. Um, yeah, I'm having the same problem. Um, you know, I could go out and, you know, I was looking uh, two nights ago uh, at rifles. And, um, you know, I was like, well, I could buy this and then I can upgrade it along the way. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to end up with a thousand dollar rifle after I get through the upgrades or do I just buy the thousand dollars now and just suck it up. That's kind of then I, and then I look at the checkbook and go, well, there's not a thousand dollars there for a gun. (laughs) Um, So, um, and then later on uh, this month, I hit the road for my day job and um I'm already going to hit a couple of shops while I'm there because there's some some bigger gun stores where I'm going, and um, and then I, I I I'm really having a problem with that, and uh, you know because I'm going through the same thing. What scope do I run? You know, I run a Vortex um, uh, Strike Eagle on my 223, and I've had that out to 600 yards um, mm-hmm. hitting steel with no problems, and I'm like I kind of like that, but then what else can I do? What other scope out there? What can I play with? Um, yeah, I, I have the same problem. It, I also look at it going, you know, I could go out and, you know, go buy a bolt gun, which I know I probably want to run a bolt get, gun for distance, but then I just look over there and I see that AR 10 lower sitting there going, well, I could shoot six, five through that too. And I know how to build one of those up. It's not, is it going to be as accurate as a bolt? No. Um, but it's what I have right now. So, yeah, I, I have the same thing with you. I mean, I, when I go to the range, I want to, I want to, you know, I shoot my pistols and then, um, you know, I love my pistols. I'm, I'm a pistol guy who wants to be a rifle guy. 
Um, so I'm trying to make that step over. And yep. um, yeah, I, I haven't decided on, on a rifle yet. I got a feeling that I'm going to decide on the rifle when I'm at the gun counter. Yeah, for, for me, you know, it was one of those things where two years ago, I might not have had this issue because I, I should have at the time, but I didn't pull the trigger on the uh, Savage 110 BA Stealth. And I found it for a yeah. great price. Like Clover and I were like on the phone at like two o'clock in the morning. And I was like, holy shit, like that's like $150 less than normal. And I didn't pull the trigger. Um, and I wouldn't have had this problem. But I was looking at that. I was looking at some Hawas. Um, looking at the Bergara, and the only reason why I found the Bergara is because of Clover. Clover had mentioned, I said, I found this rifle that people start have been saying it's pretty good, but I've never heard of them. And Clover had heard of Bergara. I hadn't heard of them. And he said, yeah, it's, it's pretty pretty good and all that. So I started kind of putting that on my list. Then I was looking at the Tika, uh, the Tika, the T3X TAC A1. It's a long-ass name. Um, and, and all that. And I kind of just, I, I, I asked some people and I said, look, if you had to choose this, 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 they said for the money, the Bergara to start out with the Bergara for the money is as, as solid as anything. You won't be unhappy about it. So that's what I've settled on and all that. So I want to go into Clover because Clover's kind of been with me through this whole process. And I know I've been annoying as hell asking questions that, um, he probably thinks are dumb questions, but, um, you know, I know that you've got, you've got a lot of long range stuff, but you know, when we went down to Charlie's, you brought, I think your Savage 308 and, um, you know, I'm assuming that right now is probably, if you had to do a designated marksman rifle at the, right now, would that be the one that you go with and why, why the Savage with the 308 and whatever optic you have, can you explain what your loadout on that rifle is? Because I've already got it would be the line. Okay. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, optic. Uh, I could not tell you it's first focal, first focal plane. Could not okay. tell you the specs on it. Um, I want to say it's like four to 26 by 50, but I could be wrong. Um, yeah. It is a, it's the high end sight mark. It's the sight mark benchmark on that. Okay. Okay. Um, now, mine is the Model 10 FPHS, which is the HS Precision stock. Um, it has been. Uh, yes, it is the Accu Trigger. However, the trigger, the action um, has all had work done by Savage Sharpshooters as well. Um, it's the heavy bull barrel. Um, it was all purchased, bought, used before six, five Creedmoor was ever a thought. Right. So for those that are thinking, why did you get three Oh eight? Well, no, I've had it for ever. So, um, yeah, G says, bring a three way to a long range class equals a FUD. He says, welcome to 2021 old man. Yeah. <laughs> he said, at least you didn't bring a 45, 110. We were talking about it. We were, to we were well, talking about that. Yes, but we were talking about that the other night. I've shot my 308 at 1500 meters. Yeah. Yeah. Now, basically a mile. Can you even hardly hear it hit the steel well, at that range? Not so much. <laughs> um, right. but, I mean, you can do it. It's got it's got nothing left by the time it gets there, for sure. I mean, in fact, it doesn't have anything left long before it gets there. But, um, you know, it can be done, especially on a calm day. 
And this is something that AWAG brings up. He said, you can upgrade the Brigaris to the Excalibur makes prefit barrels. He runs an Excalibur on his own 300 wind mag, uh, $400. when it gets me out to one mile, my savage 110 with no issues. And that's another thing is, is I, I know that eventually we'll be upgrading rifles down the line. Um, looking at it, shy tech, love shy tech stuff like McMillan stuff. Uh, just not going to go and spend 10, 15, $20,000 on a rifle right off the bat. Um, don't have it first of all i couldn't if i wanted to um but i but the great thing about it is if you get a, a really a, a decent chassis you've got a, something that's got good action uh you can always change out and upgrade barrels you can always upgrade you know it's just like anything else you can upgrade a rifle to where basically by the time you get done with it it might have a brigara stamp on there but it may not be anything brigara left on it you know or whatever you get uh, the Tika, the Tika was close. The Tika came in kind of like a like horse race down the last home stretch. It was making a push and almost got it. Um, but when it came right down to it, the extra five, $600 or whatever it would be for the Tika in my eyes, wasn't giving me enough oomph for what the Bergara was giving. Um, and I, I've talked to some people that I trust and they said that for the money, the Bergara's really really solid that he's out no none of them said that i'd be disappointed so that's kind of what i've gone with is the, the bergara um you know and for for me i think when it comes down to when you talk about being a beginner is I, I posted a question in a, a facebook group and i basically said hey let the bashing begin i'm a newbie you know i'm gonna ask some questions out there. and they've been great I and mean, helping me a lot um the interesting thing is is you know i said hey i want to have a budget and once again, that board budget, I, I want to start doing this on a budget and all that. And they say, well, what's the budget? And I, I you know, damn it, you know, a budget means something different to everybody, you know. Um, so I think what I would like to do is we start this conversation is um, take budget aside. Let's not talk about a, a fixed dollar amount. But when we're talking about for someone that's a beginner, what are some of the things Rogue and Clover jump in here? that um you know if you're getting ready to go into the long range game especially maybe into prs or nrl competition stuff what are some of the things that most people they think about rifle they think about optics but what are some other things that people may not think about that you guys have thought about or have done or whatever or seen people go to long range competitions stuff the, the accessories and gear that people may not yeah. think about so Well, accessories and gear, I mean, you, you have the tripods, you know, or, what are you going to do with a tripod? You're not going to run a cheap tripod on a rifle when you're shooting long range, because, you know, if, yeah. if that, sorry, Magnum's talking to me down here. Oh, good. <laughs> um, if, if, so if, if, uh, if you're running with a cheap tripod, it's not you know, the front of that rifle is going to start moving, and when you start talking about long range, you know, mm -hmm. just a, you know, a fraction of an inch could be, you know, a, a foot or two down right. range. So you're going to want to start looking at either a good tripod or you know even a good you know bag that you can bag yep. the rifle with so you can shoot long distance. Um, I'm actually thinking I'm actually thinking of going with a bag to start off with. Yeah. To try to try to get that that front of the rifle 
kind of under control. a lot of people have been saying that Harris makes a pretty good uh, bipod for a, a decent price. Obviously, uh, they're around the swagger guys. They make a, a really quality bipod. But, uh, you know, bipods are going to be one of those things that when the guys said is make sure you get the swivel bipod because especially PRS, you're going to be shooting from some weird positions. You want to be able to stabilize and 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 that swivel mount. And so it's something that I wouldn't have thought of, you know. Um, so that was really good. Uh, Clover, what kind of something that most people would maybe tend to forget that you might think might be critical if you're going to go get into this game? Well, you were talking the other night about um, Kestrel likes, right? Mm-hmm. So right. things things to uh, help you with wind, uh, things to help you with ballistic calculations, uh, right. reloading equipment. Um, you know, I hate to say it, but I mean, even if you're shooting 6.5 Creedmoor, you're going to be way better off, uh, you know, custom, you know, having custom rounds that, you know, are tuned to that specific rifle. Um, yep. You're going to be way better off cost wise and you're going to be way better off, I think, with um, what kind of holes you're going to punch in paper and, and whatnot. So uh, those are some things. I mean, do you need that right off the bat to get your feet wet? No, but I think that. Mm-hmm shortly after getting into it if it's something you decide you're going to stay with i think those are a couple of things that you're going to have to have to break off a little cash and and make happen yep. uh from everyone out there in the chat if you're out there and you and you've got experience in this and all that i want to hear what you guys think are important things to to learn and to know before we dive into this um let me know what you guys think as well this is part of the show is i want to get i need all the help i can get uh Kind of going along the lines of the reloading, Elfster out there says really helps to reload and have a rifle that can at least print one MOA or less at 100 yards. Uh, one inch group at 100 yards is 10 inches at 1,000. Um, a two inch group at 100 yards is 20 inches at 1,000 yards uh, shotgun pattern. Um, so yeah, for, for me, uh, and and I, I've talked with this about a lot of different people, a lot of it with CloverTac over the last few weeks. And here's, and I don't want you guys out there in the chat, I want your opinion on this as well, with Clover and Rogue as well. Here's kind of the thought process that I'm going through. And you guys tell me if I'm stupid, if I'm crazy. I don't reload. Uh, I don't have reloading equipment, but I have some friends that they take it very seriously. They've got everything you could possibly need. So my thought process is this, get the rifle, get the optic, and I'm going to spend all winter long getting used to this rifle, figuring out shooting different ammos and all of that, uh, get everything dialed in, learning how to do different things before I, and then I'm going to go next spring and watch a match or two and just watch, not even shoot, just kind of watch and learn and then jump in. But one of my things that I want to do as far as the ammo goes is this. I want to try to find through different brands, different whatever, different grains. Most people have said that around that 140 to 142 grain 6.5 Creed is kind of like that magic spot. But I want to find some different match grade ammo, shoot it, get a box of maybe four or five different ammos, shoot it, figure out which one works best with that rifle and all of that and try to find load data or reverse engineer the load data for that and then buy the supplies. And then I talked to a buddy of mine. He says, you can come over and utilize his press. He'll show me how to do it all. 
And then at that point, once I kind of dial in what I want, then I can start reloading with that brass. So if, if I go and get five different brands, that's a hundred pieces of brass. I can go and, and do, you know, several different load data on different loads and reloading and then start dialing it in and still have this brass. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at rogue clover and out there in the chat. Tell me, is, is there a better way? Because I do understand that reloading eventually is going to be a must uh, to this because it will get expensive with ammo for competitions. But am I going about the right way or is there a better way of doing this? I'm, I'm open to any suggestions. Well, you're kind of going pretty much the same way I am. I mean, I already reload. I've been reloading. Well, when we wanted to shoot, we had to reload when we were a kid. So, um, so I've been reloading a long time and I have presses and stuff like that that I'm not worried about. But I'm the same way. I'm going to have to get a rifle in. I'm going to have to put some rounds down range, see what works, what doesn't work. And then when I get into the reloading, try to try to, you know, figure out what I can do to maximize that load. Um, you know, I saw a comment earlier. I forget who said it, that, you know, factory ammo is kind of crap. And um, yeah, it's I don't know of anybody. Not that I know a whole lot of people are shooting, uh, you know, the, uh, the precision rifles and stuff like that in those competitions, mm -hmm. but they're all loading their own stuff. Um, they're not using factory ammo. They're they're counting the grains out. They're really anal about how many grains are going in there and all that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But I think you're on the right track because I'm 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 doing the same thing. Um, I'm going to have to get a rifle in. I'm going to have to get a scope in. I'm going to have to dink with it and see what and see what you know, what it is. And I'll make a decision whether I want to continue down the route or not. Um, that's going to be the hard thing is, you know, once you get the rifle in, like I said, I'm not, the, I'm not to go on a, on the cheaper side on a rifle. How, how in am I going to be on upgrading this? How, how much sure. is going to be to upgrade a trigger um, and stuff like that. And one of the things I'm having an identity crisis with on, on a rifle is, you know, I've looked at the Savages and the Bagheras and stuff like that. I like standards in rifles. Um, I like standards mm -hmm. in my pistols, too. Um, do I do that or do I get in like a, a Remington 700 action and build the rifle up that way? Because then I know that I can always get parts for it. Um, right. I, yeah. But I think I think you're going down the right route. Clove, I know we had this discussion, but you know, you've talked to me about it, but there are probably people that would benefit from hearing kind of what you were talking about last night as well. But you know, the reverse engineering, is it good, is it bad? Or, you know, what would what would be your recommendation? Oh, no, it's fine. First of all, not all uh factory ammo is, is garbage. Um right. so you can very likely find a, a load, find a factory load that's gonna do what you need to do. Um, and that's, very, and that's, yeah. and that's very consistent. Well, mm -hmm. you know, I go back, we had the conversation the other night. I go back to my, um, uh, I go back to my Ely ammo and, and 22 long rifle, right? I mean, you can't reload that. And that's the most right. consistent ammo I've absolutely seen in my life. I don't care if you measure it, weigh it. I don't care from one batch, one lot to the next. It's absolutely perfect. Right. Yeah. And so if they can do that with that, they can certainly do it with center center fire ammo companies can. Right. So the only question is, you know, which one out there that has that type of consistency shoots well and whatever your 
you know, shooting in, right? So once you once you find that, it becomes okay. Now I have this factory ammo, and it it works well. Mm-hmm. So let's do let's reload for one of two one of two purposes, and maybe both. Uh, number one, cost, because you're yeah. typically been if you talk in match ammunition, which is going to be way more expensive than your practice ammo, your, you know, uh, budget minded ammo. Yeah. In a match situation, that stuff garbage. Absolutely would agree with that. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So we've taken care of that and now I can reverse engineer that, uh, figure out what projectiles used, what powder is used, um, so forth and so on. Do some chrono testing with some, fa- some of those factory loads, uh, reverse engineering, not that difficult. And then, um, in the process of doing the reverse engineering, you can potentially tweak that ammo out to where it's even more precise uh, and more consistent, potentially. Buck was asking, what are some good factory rounds in 6.5 Creek? Buck's also looking to get into this. Uh, it'd be nice to be able, if he does it, grab one and all that. There's a lot of decent one that people have talked about. Uh, a lot of people go to the federal. I can't remember which one it is, but it's a federal match that's pretty good. That people say gold medal match, uh, burger, and then yeah, the yeah the burger, um, and then Hornady's got some stuff that people uh, are speaking highly of. Ultimately, it comes down to kind of what you were telling me the other night was you take a round that of uh, a factory round that's giving you decently solid, consistent groups that seems to work well and match well with your rifle and your barrel. And then the reloading side of it is you're not just trying to, you know, replicate that you're trying to increase, uh, improve on that, increase different things. So yeah, you might have to figure out with the powders or whatever um, until you get it right where you want. It. And that might take several evolutions of, those brass but you were talking to me about where the as i asked you when it comes to the long range and all of that uh bolt action and this is where it all started i think i was talking about bolt action versus an ar-10 platform um with a 6.5 creed and you said you know the gas systems and all that it's over the long haul especially with brass reloading and all that the bolt tax would be better but on 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 basic terms obviously you don't know no one really knows exactly but for people out there that may not know, they're truly into this this learning as they fly. A piece of let's just say a six five Creed more brass, on average, what do you think that they could get? How many reloads do you think they could get out of a piece of brass? That's gonna you know we've had that conversation too, right? Mm-hmm. That's gonna depend a lot on the pressure and uh, you know in a bolt gun you're not gonna be not gonna be any any violent extraction going on with the with the case head or anything like that so it's just going to be the 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 combination of a couple of things number one is what type of dies are you using are you simply neck sizing uh is that going to be a uh, a bushing type die or you know what what type of die are you using because that's going to stress the neck of that brass more or less depending on uh, what it is so you've got that factor again you got the pressure uh of the round uh, that you're firing. I'm going to say, I mean, it, you know, you can safely bet, I would say five, you know, yep. uh, but, you know, depending on, again, those stress factors and the pressures and the, a lot of the other things, if you're talking about 
you know, alleviating as much stress during the reloading process as possible, i.e. neck sizing. Uh, and you're talking about being in that mid range as far as, as pressure. I mean, I could see you getting 15 or 20 out of it. Right. Yeah. We do have a, a young man around. We, we got several kids around our area. We're very, very blessed. Uh, Zach Myers, a national champion. Um, yeah, he would be a great content. We also have, uh, Roe Reynolds, who's more shotgun, but I promise you that dude can shoot pretty much anything you want. He's on USA shooting team. I promise you that dude can shoot, um, anything you want him to shoot. So I need to probably contact Roe, but Zach would be a good one. Thanks for, I forgot about Zach, but thanks for bringing that up. Lance, appreciate it. Frank says he's got a roll. Peace out, brother. Be safe. Um, Tim says, shoot some Lapua ammo. Keep the brass reloaded after and later and win. Um, yeah, the Lapua brass in itself is going to be expensive just to get into. So if I'm going to get Lapua, then I'm definitely going to save that damn brass. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, Idaho USMC says, headspace, bullet jump, uh, concentricity, run out, standard deviation, feet per second, pressure signs. These are all terms you're going to be using. Yeah, that's the thing is I'm going to have a whole new vocabulary, I think, that uh, which is, is that's what I'm looking for. I'm really this is what's exciting me is stepping out of my complete comfort zone. Um, I, I, I've pulled triggers at over a thousand yards and I, I've pulled a lot of triggers at over 500 and, and 800 yards. A lot of triggers at 500. Uh, we used to qualify with with our M16 at 500, um, but I pull a lot of triggers at five to 800 yards. A lot of it. Uh, several times over a thousand, but I will say this, that this is what I'm excited about the most is expanding my knowledge, expanding my experience, um, bringing my journey and I'm re I'm recording most of this. I'll go to matches. I'll record stuff. I'll record a lot. Of, there might be someone out there that's going through the same thing. I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. I get it. I'm no one's ever going to get it right with rifle choice, with optic choice, with ammo choice, with bipods or bags or ballistic calculators. No one's going to get it right off the bat. So I'm going to make a lot of mistakes as I go. But that's what it's all about is learning. And I want to document this because I'm excited about learning. Like I said, expanding my experiences, expanding um, disciplines, doing something that's completely uncomfortable to me. I, I, I've done competition shooting, but never with the rifle. And this is going to be something that I'm going to get my ass beat. I know that, but I'm looking forward to that. If it's anything like pistol shooting competition with IDPA and USPSA and all of that, uh, the one thing that I love about those communities is they welcome newcomers, open hand, open arms saying, Hey, you want, I want to try this. You need to do this. Hey, you know, do this, do that, whatever it is. And they're more than happy to help one because you're not a threat to them. So they'll help you. Now, if you start getting good, it's funny how their help kind of starts to fall off the side because they, man, this guy's beating me now. I'm not going to help him anymore. Um, but I'm looking forward to that. And I'm assuming that in the long range precision games can be the same. Um, open, you, open arms, welcoming, try this. Hey man, I made the same mistake you did. Here's what I did to fix it. Or, Hey, I, you know, you might want to make this mistake on your own to figure it out, but try this instead. That's what I'm looking for. And obviously look to pass that knowledge on. Once I make a mistake, then I'll tell someone, Hey, I tried this and it failed miserably. That's part of the growing process is really learning on the fly. Is it going to be an expensive learning? Uh, it looks like it. <laughs> 
but any hobby is expensive, and I'm really looking forward to doing this. Um, Elster said, uh, and Elster is going to be someone I might need to reach out to it and have a conversation um, off air. Um, El- hey, El- I tell you what, Elster, if you want to come in, I'm gonna, I'm going to tell you what. Um, I'm going to put the link out there in the chat, uh, and I can make it to where people can't join if I don't want them in here. But if you got time, I'd love for you to maybe jump in here. Uh, but he says, start with bullet selection. See what the bullet bore looks likes to shoot. Then move on to powder drops for barrel harmonics and then bullet jumps. Each bore is like a fingerprint. Each is different. And that, and that, and that's what I get a lot is you can have 10 Bergaras or 10 Savage or whatever right there. And they're all going to be a little bit different. You know, and what's they're going to like certain ammos more than others. And that's just the way it is, um, which I'm really looking for. Uh, from the standpoint of like precision and competition, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it's all it's all relative to the task at hand. So you sure. take those same ten, and you're using the same ammunition in all of them. And as long mm-hmm. as it's any kind of a decent quality ammunition, are you going to be able to deer hunt at a hundred or two hundred yards with it? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. without a doubt. Mm-hmm. But you're talking about a six inch, eight inch, whatever group, you know, at a hundred or two hundred yards, and that is not precision. So. Um, right. again, it's, it's, that's all relative. just wanted to point that out. I know we're talking about, yeah, you know, precision yeah. and competition and stuff like that, but just in case there's somebody out there that may be looking at getting their first rifle for hunting or, you know, just plinking around or something like that. Remember this conversation is on a much, much higher level than, <laughs> yeah. um, than what you, you have to be just to, to hunt or to have fun. Yeah. It was so funny because we were talking about last night. I know we were talking more 22 stuff. Um, but we were talking about different things and, and when it comes down to precision competition shooting, like if you're talking true precision, you know, sometimes one one hundredth of an inch is a difference between first and second or first and third almost sometimes. So, you know, when you're talking about in these in certain competitions, maybe with maybe bench rest competition where it's truly just like putting bullets in the same hole and all that, but that's kind of where you're at you, to get to that level. There are some people that can shoot that well. And yes, you know, it's one of those things where let me ask you guys this, because I think I know the answer. I'll tell you my opinion. I think you have someone that's a good shooter with good mechanics, good breathing habits can control finger trigger control, trigger discipline, all of that. Someone that can literally just shoot can take an average rifle and scope and beat someone that's an average shooter with great equipment. What do you guys think about that? I totally agree with that. I mean, I know that pretty much any rifle I buy is probably going to be way more accurate than I am as a shooter, uh, especially in the beginning. Uh, I've seen this. It doesn't matter if it's rifle, pistol, shotgun, whatever. I mean, I saw it with um, in bow competition when I was a kid. You know, I, I remember this guy had a tricked out bow with a compensate. Yeah, you know, the the uh, was the the rod off the front of it and all that stuff. And he's out there doing this stuff. My father's out there with his stock PSE and out it was out shooting that guy. Um, you know, it's definitely the shooter uh, more. I'm not saying that there isn't crap equipment out there. There totally is, but. Um, like I said, I, anything I buy, I know is going to be way more accurate than I can drive it. 
What's up, AWAG? How you doing, homie? Good. How are you? Hopefully my uh, echo is not too bad. My room is quite empty. I don't hear an echo at all. You sound good, man. Cool. I appreciate uh, you allowing me on. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, now G out there, you know, he's got to bring it back to nine every time. He just, you know, learn a new fight, brother. Pick another fight. <laughs> no, he bring nine millimeter back. So I wanted to kind of, you, know, you, you've been throwing in some great stuff out there. Um, for someone like me that has experience shooting long range, but knows nothing about it. Does that make sense? I mean, you know, I mean, it gets down to where, you know, I've, I've gone to ask people MOA or mill reticle. And everyone says mill, especially to start out first focal plane mill was where you want to start and all that. I mean, for someone who's literally asking those kind of questions, have I missed something? I mean, is there something that you would like to add or bring on? Um, I switch back and forth between uh, mill radian and uh, MOA. If it's okay. if it's a gun that I'm just going to shoot less than uh, like 500 yards, I'll use a scope that's an MOA. Uh, like well, my 300 Win Mag, that's a mill radian scope. That's a Leupold Mark V HD. Um, I just like it because it makes counting uh, a lot easier. Whereas you're not trying to figure out like a quarter of this at you know right. this many yards is is this you know. And, and that's where most of the people that I've talked to that I trust, they said especially starting out the mill reticle is going to be easier because especially in PRS where you're having to take maybe 10 shots in a minute and a half or two minutes or whatever that is, you know, uh, at a stage having those mills, especially right off the bat makes it a lot easier to get that second, third, fourth shot off quicker and more accurate. So um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at is right now is, is, is mill. Um, but I know that you said you've gone both ways with them. Yeah, um, I've I've gravitated more towards the mill radian, um, mostly because of the people that I have around me that are spotting for me. They're uh, always running the mill radians, and they're always giving me. Uh, they're giving calls out for mills. Yeah, correct. Okay. Yeah. Now, if you're um, looking for a scope, um, I will suggest looking on the used market. Uh, try like Sniper's Hide Forum. Um, normally there's a lot of lightly sniper used, side. Mm -hmm, sniper I've side seen form. that in some of my Google searches, but I haven't gotten to it yet, but, uh, I will definitely check that out. I'm on there. I cruise around there quite often asking stupid questions. Um, <laughs> but, um, I've asked a ton of them. <laughs> so most of the time you can find people that are upgrading to the new latest and greatest things and they'll sell you, um, you can pick up Mark five HDs that are gently used. They got a couple scratch marks on them. Uh, you could pick them up for like 10 to 20% off. It's pretty decent. Yeah. Some, sometimes they'll even come with rings. You know, and that's one of those things where, to me, I've never been one that has really cared about if something's dinged up, I mean, or got some scratch marks and all that. As long as uh, the glass is good and it's going to hang, the rings are going to be able to, to, to keep it in place and not move around and all that, uh, as long as it's still functional, functional and the glass isn't too bad, I have absolutely no problem with used... Uh, the used market whatsoever. Um, now I was asking Clover cause I, I was, I'd heard of Athlon before. Um, and to my knowledge, I've never spoken to before today, spoken to anyone or shot through. I probably have just didn't know it. Um, 
Athlon and Arkin and Bushnell has some of these um, first focal plane mill um, scopes that are around that seven to nine hundred range. Are those are any of those um, worth looking at? Um, the Athlon, I think it's like an Argus. Uh, Argus. Um, hold on, I'll look it up. But um, they have a six or seven hundred dollar option. That's for. Um, Front focal plane, that's a really good option. Okay. I'm try and look it up now. Um, Arkin is okay. Um, out of the three scopes I've had my hands on, um, two of them passed the tracking test with uh, actually a really, really good um, percentage of fail or not failure, um, uh, tracking error. Mm -hmm. um, but the other one that was. Uh, a demo and i think somebody beat on it too hard before i got my hands on it so now that's something i want to mean, rogue clover what, what's up elster how you doing brother uh, you all of you guys me? yeah yeah you're good uh, all of you guys just join in just don't over talk anybody but uh feel free to jump in one of the things that has been repeatedly mentioned when asking questions, especially about optics and scopes and all that, is especially if you're doing like PRS, you're not going to have a spotter necessarily. So you're going to be able to have to be able to see the trail and and everything through that optic. Um, most people say that no matter what the magnification, they usually run about 10, 10x. Is that something whether he goes up to 25 magnification or what, a lot of people they run around around 10x. And is that something that they can see maybe the vapor trail or the track it a little bit easier? Is that something that um, you think about? Or so, I know that tracking is very important in this, obviously, because you're by yourself, basically. My my loophole Mark V is a 3.6 to 18 power. Um, okay. I normally run it on 12 power, but that's mostly because I try to shoot out to a mile, which is 1,760 yards. Um, right. Normally those lower power um, magnifications are really good because when you're shooting out to a thousand yards, your heartbeat will um, make inputs onto the scope itself. It, and it can change it depending on how far you're shooting out. It could throw it all the way off the target if your heart rate is up high enough. Um, so more magnification does not always mean, you know, more better, uh, for lack of better terms. Um, it, it all comes down to glass clarity and your objective lens is how much, um, light it can gather. Um, if you have something, so that, you, you like 50 or 55 or 56, is there a, is that magic number that you found that you like the best? Um, 50 uh, 56 might be a little too much for me because then you might have uh, scope fitting issues if you're running something with like a bull barrel. Um, you'll have that that bell really close to the the barrel in some cases, and you won't be able to get a proper cheek weld because that scope is going to have to sit higher. Um, mm. The objective lens that's on my loophole is a 44, so it's a little on the small side, um, but. Yeah, I love it. I can shoot out to a mile all day. There's someone who's starting out would probably the 50 kind of be easier and better as a round number, the yeah. 50 uh, objective for a beginner to kind of learn how to get through that, that first initial cycle. Yeah. Um, one of the scopes okay. that I first started off of was the SWFA Super Sniper in the fixed 10 power. And I do have a couple fixed six powers that I still run. Um, okay. 
and they're they're like a three hundred dollar optic, but their tracking is on point. And that is probably the okay. best budget scope you can get your hands on. Okay. Uh, so bring Elster in here. Go ahead, man. I know you got some stuff that you really want to talk about. So more importantly, with PRS, it's more about follow up shots. And there's a reason why most guys in the PRS world shoot six millimeter, like six millimeter Cremor or or six dashers. They're usually used shooting six millimeter bullet flavors because of its low recoil. And they want, yeah. It's, yeah. it's always about the first shot, second correction. So they want to see that impact. They want to see that bullet fly through the air. If they're shooting something over a six Creedmoor or a six Dasher or any six millimeter flavor bullet, matter of fact, the 243 shoots a six millimeter bullet flavor. They want to see that impact so they can make that correction on the fly in their reticle. And those guys' guns, they, no joke, weigh well over 20 pounds, 23, sure, yeah. 45 pounds. They, they don't care about the pounds. They, they care about the recoil. And they want that first focal plane optic. They want to be able to, they're taking a shot at 100 yards, 300 yards, clear out to 1,000, back to 600. And that all dictates of what magnification you use of what you're shooting. It's all about purpose. And the, the big question is, hey, I want to shoot long range, but it really is about purpose. Are you shooting PRS? Are you just some guy on a weekend warrior thing where you're shooting a mile? And you know, you need to buck the wind. You're shooting up. Some of these guys are shooting two, three miles nowadays, and they're shooting shy tacks. It just depends on purpose. And these PRS shooters, like I said, if you show up to a PRS match with a 308 or even a six, a 6.5 Creedmoor, you're going to get your ass handed to you. You are right. all day long. These guys are shooting nothing but six Creedmoors, six Dashers, really low re re recoil, FFP scopes where they can – they're, the reason why you get an FFP optic is you. it's not really about ranging. It's about holdovers, not only for elevation but for wind. And, it, you know, they're they're going back and forth between the magnifications. More times than not, they're trying to stay on one magnification. But, like I said, it's if, if you're not showing up with your, your tune reloads and something most likely a 6-millimeter flavor, you're going to get your ass handed to you. But then it just depends. If you're shooting a mile, you're shooting yeah. almost 18 football fields. Even a 6.5 Creedmoor is going to have a hell of a time doing it. Like when we, we were invited out to the Palmetto State Armory event, we were shooting a mile out there with a 6.5 Creedmoor. No joke, we had that reticle. We had the turret maxed out, and we were maxing <laughs> out there with the reticle to boot. And we were just barely making it with a 6.5 AR. So it really just depends on the purpose. Yeah. So there's so many things when it comes to long range shooting and not only just reloads, but your, your, your rifle and just the, mainly the purpose really when it boils down to it. So, yeah. And like I said, you know, my, my ultimate goal, you know, and, and, and here's the thing is when I first start out, I want to go shoot, pay my dues, watch other people, learn what they're doing, gain knowledge on where they were, where they are now to where I am, and then, you know, not worry about competing. Unfortunately, I'm ultra competitive, so I can sit there and tell you now I'm not trying to compete, but I'm going to want to kick your ass. So uh, yeah. the competition will come in, but for me, a lot of it comes right down to um, – Really, I, I you know, 
Like I said, I it's, thought, it's all about. I, I, thought, I thought about the six millimeter Creed more uh, because this rifle isn't going to be a hunting rifle. I don't hunt. This isn't going to be something. It, it's going to be long range precision competition. So that might be something. The next down, the next cycle might be you know learn, cry once, try once, all that stuff. I hear it all the time. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's just one of those things where I, I enjoy the six five Creed round. I know it's got a little more recoil than the six. Um, it's probably going to be a little bit tougher to see the trail to, uh, to see that. Um, and that's just, it is what it is. But, um, like I said, it's just about purpose. And if yeah, you think yeah. there's any ch remote chance you might get in the PRS, you're like I said, you're probably going to want to look at six Creemore or six dash or those probably the top two in PRS right now. Um, yeah. six Creemore, you're going to have an easier time getting brass for, um, okay. in comparison to six dasher. Um, but guys just aren't shooting even, you know, once in a while you get some of the 6.5 cream more, but they're mostly in those six millimeter flavor bullets. And, um, you know, if you're a weekend warrior and you want to, you want something that can stretch out to a mile, we're talking 18 football fields. Um, you're that pretty much maxing that cartridge out. Um, and you want something that you can get brass very easy for. Um, yeah, 6.5 cream more might be the ticket, but. Um, you're definitely not showing up with a 308. 308 is probably the most non ballistically functional cartridge out there. You're talking, yeah. you know, it's, it's just. If, if I just wanted to go out on the weekend and shoot long range, I'd probably go 300 Win Mag because that's the fun as hell, you know, cartridge to shoot. It's yeah, not practical for competition, you know. You know, but if you're shooting like two miles or, a, you know, like I said, some of these guys are no joke shooting up to three miles and using Chi Tex. It's just, it's all about purpose. It really is. Yeah, and, sure. and everything else falls behind that purpose in regards to uh, optic selection. Um, and even when it comes to your reloads, you know, um, if you're shooting F class, a lot of those guys are shooting Shahanes, um, you know, or 6.5 by 47s. It just depends on, on what you're doing. So, yeah. so G put out there on a rogue clover, a wag Elfster going, he says, what percentage of long range shot is skill and experience and what percent is gear and glass, et cetera. Well, I've always said it's it's 33% ammunition, 33% rifle, and 33% shooter. And if one falls, they all fall. And um, like I said, a, a rifle's bore is like a fingerprint. You can have yeah. you can have a, a selection of uh, 20 total rifles, all the same manufacturer, all the same brand, all the same model number, and each one will shoot absolutely different because when they they put that rifling into that rifle's bore. Whether it's done by a button pull process or they rifle cut it with a high end barrel, something like a Krieger or a Bartling, um, th th it's literally like a fingerprint. And each one will literally shoot different. You're not going to know until, especially if you reload and you get those uh, bullets down that board, you just simply test it. You're just not going to know. I like I, I I can turn I've turned one my friends friend after friend that think my my rifle doesn't shoot for crap. It can't print less than two minutes of angle or two inches at 100 yards and i'll do some simple load development by just simply selecting different bullet flavors and then once we find a bullet that likes to shoot i pluck that bullet out of that selection and we start playing with powder drops and barrel harmonics and then when we get to that nailed down then we start playing with bullet jumps and i'm getting kind of heavy yeah. into the reloading atmosphere yeah, you're speaking greek to me but it's all good i'm, I'm taking i'm soaking it all in yeah <laughs> And I'll, they'll literally turn that guy's two MOA rifle into a sub-minute of angle firearm. And 
it's you know it's, it's it is it's just something you just got to dive in head first it's just it's all about experience and, and that's that's, you know, that's what i'm looking most forward to is literally don't jumping in the deep end and saying i'm either going to sink or swim but i think i'm going to be able to swim you know it might take me a while but i'm going to be able to swim and don't take this wrong but it's one of those things of no, yeah, no. you don't know because you don't know you know what i'm saying exactly, and, and exactly. You, just, you don't know until you try yeah so. Now, Buck out there is, uh, he says, it sounds like a whole lot to learn for long range shooting. He might be questioning whether he wants to jump in the deep end with me. Um, so let's do it, man. Let's go down. To, we're going to drown. We'll drown together. Uh, now, interesting, before I go to A Wagon, Clover, and Banshee, uh, I am interested about the one third because you said one third ammo, one third rifle, and one third um, shooter. Shooter. Optic wasn't mentioned in there. Now, is optic included in the rifle one third? Yeah, or you but I'm like, put it this way: if your rifle just doesn't print, and I don't care yeah. how amazing of a shooter you are, if you're the best that rifle and your reloads and your reloading development can do is two inches at 100 yards at two minutes of angle, that two mm -hmm. inch screw you can't. Once the bullet leaves the bore and goes on its flight trajectory, you cannot change. Yeah. So I, I don't care how amazing of a shooter you are. If you're a rifle and your reloads for crap, yeah. you're going to be crap. So it's, yeah. you know, if you best your rifle can print it at 100 yards is 2 inches, it's going to be 20 inches. 2 inches times 10, 20 inches at 1,000 yards. You're literally going to be hitting a shotgun pattern at 1,000. Um, yeah. You know, it, you, I've always said this, and I'll say it again. If your rifle can't print one minute of angle or less, yeah, at 100 yards, you might as well not even show up to the game. And that's what I've heard consistently, consistently, consistently. Um, you better find a sub mo way at 100 yards, or don't even bring it to the table. Yeah. Um, so, a wag, I know you were uh, want to jump in here. Go for it, bud. Um, I was gonna say, if you have a bolt gun that does not produce a one minute of angle, there is something wrong with the rifle. Probably. Yeah. Um, or you're just an awful shot. Um, yeah, but I would agree. nine times out of the 10, nine times out of 10, if you're doing your part behind the rifle and everything feels good when you pull that trigger and it's still not producing a good group, there's something wrong with the rifle, whether it be harmonics or your, um, action screws are loose. I've had that happen to me a couple times. Um, I normally don't do PRS matches because I'm running a 300 win mag that's well over the, um, the yeah. velocity limit. I just sure. do it for research and development for projectiles because I want right. to push the limits of um, my 300 Win Mag, which is a 13 pound rifle, which is very light for a bolt gun that's for a long range yeah. shooting. Yeah. Um, now, G brings up a question. I think all of us can, you can all jump in. Do you pick a long distance and start there, or do you start at 50, then go to 250, then 500, and 750? Um, I, my goal, well, my goal, my thought process was starting at 100 and getting my groupings and, and optics and everything at 100 yards, zero, getting that just down before I start moving on. Is 100, I mean, where would you guys, any, any of you guys jump in? I okay. always start at 100, and then I make my target smaller and smaller and smaller, and then I move to the next range, and then I do the same thing over and over again. Just um, keep in mind that a bullet 
And shooting at 100 yards just because it shoots amazing at 100 doesn't mean it shoots amazing at 1,000. Sure, absolutely. Or, yeah. or 300 or 500 or 700. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, the load that I use for my 300 wind mag, it produces a group size of 1.12 inches at 100 yards. However, at 500 yards, it's stacking. It's pretty much stacking them on top of each other. I have no idea what's going on. It's it's some sort of weird enigma that's going on. But every time I shoot it at 100 yards, I can't get it smaller than an inch, essentially. Um, but at 500 yards, I can basically pick what eye hole I want to put it in if it's a sniper target. A lot of that might be having to do with parallax adjustment. You might want to look into that. Uh, I, li I like to do what's called the head bobbing test. So at 100 yards, I'll set my parallax. Never trust the numbers on your parallax or side mm -hmm. focus. You always want to get a steady rifle and do a, a head bob test. And if your reticle comes off your impact location, you know, you might have that that reticle might be fantastic 500, but at a, a if you're especially if you're trusting the numbers on the side of that side yeah. focus, never trust those numbers. Um, they're, they're usually always off. And sometimes I've seen scopes so grossly off that they shouldn't even have the numbers on to be honest. Yeah. That's, that's the one gripe I have about my loophole is that, um, for a hundred yards, my parallax is pretty much set at like two or 300. Yeah. Cause it, you literally, as you're doing the head bobbing test and you're adjusting your side focus, you will literally watch that cross here, move off the, bu the bullseye. And as you're adjusting it, you'll watch that crosshair stop moving. And that's where that's you stop. The, that's the sweet spot. That's your sweet spot. As long as you got clear glass, so you're clear mm -hmm. picture, and that's where you stop adjusting. And especially yeah. if you don't adjust that diopter just correctly before you even screw, start screwing around with zeroing your rifle or playing around mm -hmm. your side focus, that can definitely happen. So if you're, yeah, yeah that's usually when people say that. They're, they're usually I tell them instantly, make sure you're adjusting that side focus or parallax adjustment just right. Otherwise, you're going to have those issues. Okay. You know, I was talking with Clover last night, and obviously, you know, it's it's a, it's probably a must, but I think a lot of people may, especially that are beginners, especially if they're beginners to rifles in general, bolt-action rifles, may not understand about breaking in the barrel. So breaking in a barrel is a short ish process but how much is breaking the barrel versus not breaking in a barrel how much can that affect down the line is is it a magnificent amount for the beginner that doesn't know it's it's man um through my research that i've done i've already burned through three barrels for my 300 wind mag um my okay. savages act action probably has well over three thousand rounds on it um and i've burned through three barrels every thousand rounds i pull off the barrel i put a new one on um, Whether you need to or not. Yeah, just because the, the rounds that I load are incredibly hot. Um, you know, I'm pushing a 210 grain projectile at almost 3,100 feet per second out of a 24-inch barrel. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm burning through throats like it's, it's nothing, but it's all for gathering that data so that I can find the perfect barrel and build the perfect gun. Um, so, so are, when you when you're talking about building a perfect gun, do you build a gun around the barrel? Is that what you, is that what you want to do? Not necessarily. Um, okay. I'm basically going around all the the mythos around breaking in a barrel versus not breaking in a barrel. 
I've had uh, the original barrel that came on the Savage and the first Excalibur barrel that I put on it. Um, I bro- I didn't break in. I just immediately went to the range and started shooting. Um, okay. Now, granted, there was a, um, a shift between my first round and my 15th round. If I, I might have to go get one of my notebooks. Um, but the zero shifted from that point, but then it stayed put after that yeah, all the way after up. that sure. mm-hmm. okay so i guess um, you can say that breaking in the barrel a certain way um can improve um your barrel's life i really haven't seen anything in the research that i've done um it's still up in the air sure yeah now buck out there beginner as well uh do you use the same size target from 100 to a thousand yards and, and clover and i were talking about this um, you know, if you go at a thousand yards, would you use, let, let's say you go with, um, a 10 by 10 at a hundred or something, or would you go to a 20 by 20 or something? I mean, what, what size target would you go at a thousand or do you keep them all kind of the same? That's a quick, easy question. Uh, if you like shooting one inch pasties at a hundred, if you like, if you're going to go to a thousand times it by 10. So if you're shooting okay. one inch paces at a hundred, make it ten inches at a ten inches. Okay. If you're shooting a ten by ten and a hundred, so know. if it's a one inch by one inch target at a hundred, if you're shooting at eight hundred, make it eight it's inches by eight ten inches by ten inches, inch, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess. Yeah, I was just of, you know. Oh, sorry. Go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I guess that kind of falls into. Um, well, this is how I look at optics too. Is I'm jumping back to the optics. Is um, I have a set rule essentially. However far I plan on shooting, it's one power for every hundred yards I plan to shoot. Um, that's okay. that's usually how I select optics because there have been a couple times that I've had my hands on a Schmidt and Bender, which goes all the way up to fifty power. Um, uh, why they make a Schmidt and Bender that goes up to 50 power, I have no idea. Um, but they're, they're they're an option, and they're definitely nice glass. But it's yeah. definitely, in my opinion, it's not worth the twenty five to almost three thousand dollars. Yeah, I do like the idea. This is a is a general reference to one power for every hundred yards because that would make sense because most guys I talked to said they very rarely ever go above 10 power on their scope. And that would make sense if you use that formula. Most guys are not going to go much outside of a thousand for that. So that would make kind of sense as to why the 10 magnification is that sweet spot, you know? Well, on that PRS shooting, they're going to pick the mag. They're going to look at each stage differently and they're going to, right. Hey, I got this shot at 200 yards, this one at 600 and I got one to clear out at hundred. I got to come back to here. They're going to pick the magnification that gives them the best field of view. All of them. Yeah. That they don't need to keep on adjusting that magnification. Yeah. And, so and, their magnification is probably adjusting between stages. Like every stage will be, a, they might adjust the magnification. Every time you got to do on. that, it's slowing you down. So they're, they're, yeah. you know, they're usually that 12 range is a sweet spot. They're not saying they won't crank it up. It's just, it depends sure. on the situation. But I mean, like if you're shooting, obviously like a mile, like almost 1800 yards, you're, you're obviously going to be, and it just depends on the size of the target. Okay. You know, I, we go out to the 600 yard range and we got guys shooting M1 grands with iron sights, but you know, they're shooting 
big ass circles that are damn near two feet yeah. diameter that just right. fits perfectly on that front iron sight. So it just depends on the target and the the purpose and the situation. Yeah, and yeah. and one thing that I've noticed in the couple PRS matches that I went to is these people, the the spotters behind them are only telling you if you get a hit or not. They, yeah, they they're, not their call, they're, make, they're not making calls here. Yeah, yeah, they're just saying hit. So most of the time, these people with like, um, I had a chance, I had a choice between the 3.6 to 18 um, and a 5 to 25 Leupold Mark mm -hmm. 5 HD. Um, and I don't really want all of that magnification on there because I'm probably not going to use it. Uh, the purposes for my rifle end game is basically make the lightest rifle possible, but still be able to make that first round hit out to a mile. Uh, I yeah, because all you don't realize that PRS is not bench rested. I mean, you're you're shooting from awkward positions on the barricades, yeah. on moving stuff, and it's it's not bench rested shooting. So, uh, yeah, a light rifle, and you might have to run between different things and all that. So, I mean, it, a lighter rifle is probably going to be a lot more worthwhile for no, they that. Don't, they don't use light rifles in PRS. They're using yeah. super heavy, over-pound really? rifles. Uh, no joke, 23, 25 pounds. Um, they're yeah, even putting they're weights heavy. on them. They'll put weights on them. Um, the, no joke. They're very, very heavy. To stabilize them? That's different. more for a recoil reduction. Yeah. Okay. That's why they're shooting six millimeter bullet flavors like six millimeter Creedmoor, six Dasher. They're they're adding not only the low recoil, but they're also adding this super super heavy rifle um, to mitigate so hardly any movement so they can at all. See it that bullet makes... splash if they miss, so they can make. Yeah, it they're flash. following that trail the whole way through. Yeah. Not only it's not, well, if they can, that's great. But usually, it's to see the bullet splash if they the miss, splash? so they can make okay. the correction. So say like they they miss it by one mil low and two mils to the left. They make that correction instantly on the rudder. And that second, that like you said, that follow up shot yeah. is it's, right there. It's one shot, one correction. So yeah, uh, seg oh, good, like, yeah. No, sorry, I was gonna say segueing into reticles. Um, reticle choice is a big proponent when you're choosing glass for PRS. Um, if you get something like a regular plex reticle, it's not gonna do you a lot of good if you're um, doing like an unknown target distance. Mm -hmm. um, now, normally, uh, I, I don't know how some of the other PRS's matches are out there. I've only been to a small handful. Um, there are a couple guys that will laser the targets um, and just check the range. Uh, I know that sometimes some matches it's frowned upon to do that. But, um, you know, another thing is if you have the target sizes, that kind of stuff, you can range them in a reticle, say like uh, a milling reticle, that kind of stuff. Mill dots. Uh, might be a little obtrusive because most of the time those mill dot reticles are very thick. It's a little um, busy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, if you want to talk about busy reticles, uh, look up the, I think it's like a Horus Tremor 3. That is a very busy reticle. Uh, but when you learn the, the Tremor 3 reticle, it is the fastest thing I've ever used when it comes right. to rapid target engagement. Uh, I want to bring Clover. If you got anything you want to add or anything like that, but I also want to bring Rogue in and say, you know, Rogue's looking to get into this. Also, do you have any 
questions, statements, or anything, Clover, anything to add? Because I'm getting flooded. This is wonderful stuff. Um, I just, I'm kind of trying to soak it all in. I don't want Rogue and Clover to feel left out. So, Clover, you got anything to add or bring up? Rogue, anything to add or any questions to ask yourself? Go for it. I don't have any questions. I've, as you guys have been talking, I've been sitting here Googling, and I'm going to be, probably be hitting the replay. On I'm writing stuff down right on my pad. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a um, it, it's a lot to take in. Um, it's yes. a lot. It, it you know it, it's a lot harder. You know, there's a lot more things going on than just going to the range, putting your reticle on your target, and squeezing the trigger. Um, oh yeah, and and this is all the stuff that I'm I'm going through now, trying to learn. And I'm, I'm glad these these two jumped on because they're no they're doubt. going through some stuff that it's they're, they're cutting the learning curve down fast. You know, you, yeah, usually a lot of those guys are going to be using something like a you know um, you know usually like a X, XBR seven C with like a Vortex or like you mentioned a Tremor three. Uh, it's something one of those. You know whether you want the Christmas tree to be too busy or not. It's that's all about using that reticle to make that crotchet on the fly when you can't make the adjustment on the turret. So you know, like I said, if they're if they're going, they're shooting that target and they misread the wind call and they're shooting one mil too too far to the left because the wind is too high. Just because your wind at where you're shooting is not the same where. It, it's impacting could be two different things. Um, they're going to make that correction on the fly. And usually they're going to want most more times too. They're not using MOA scopes. They're usually using mill they don't use MOA scopes really in precision shooting. But the only time you see MOA scopes and long range rifle shootings, like F class or bench rush rifle shooters, even those guys use SFP scopes because they want that fine reticle. But usually in PRS they are using usually first focal plane or front focal plane, whatever you want to call it, some type of Christmas tree reticle, whether it's, you know, like a Vortex EBR-7C or, or Tremor 3 or whatever it is, Horus reticle, um, something that they can make that that correction on the fly. Um, I know a lot of people think they, they're using these reticles for ranging, and you definitely can, but it's more importantly for wind and uh, elevation. Once again, uh, you're talking about making the adjustments. That's ultimately what it comes down yeah. to making those adjustments. Yeah. So gravity is the, always the constant. Wind is the variable. So, um, you know, it's the one thing you're you're massively fighting against in regards to shooting long distance. And you're shooting really, really extreme long distances past one mile. You also mm -hmm. take, you have taken things like the Coriolis effect uh, of the earth spinning at 1,000 miles an hour on its axis. Uh, as that bullet Cur the curvature leaves, and everything leaves yep. the leaves the board is flying through the air for seconds uh the target is still moving with the earth not in correlation with the bullet flying through the air and you know you it's kind of getting really extreme for long distance and also things like the bullet spin drift you got to take that in account and the, most bullet cal uh ballistic calculators will take care of that um but you know, a lot of these guys are using like uh, Vortex, uh, Advanced Ballistics, 5,000 binoculars now. Um, mm -hmm. It makes it super easy where you can uh, link that up with a Kestrel, even with your phone, and it will give you those uh, holdovers instantly. And it's right. it's pretty amazing what they have nowadays. Yeah, Idaho out there says, don't let this conversation of Matt shooting get in the way of a challenge and the fun of, no, 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 don't get me wrong. 
I know that, that I am, I've got a lot to learn. That's part of the excitement for me is leaving my comfort zone, leaving what I do best and what I do well and learning something that I am a fish out of water and, and, and hopefully to get back to that water where I feel comfortable. I'm going to be a duck. I hope, I hope I look calm and all that, but my little feet are going to be going crazy underneath that water. Uh, I'm, I'm loving that. That's part of what I'm looking for is something that's going to excite me again. It's going to get me motivated to get out to a range again, to, to learn as much as I can, because I know that it's going to be a long trip. I get that. It's not going to happen overnight, but that's the trip that I'm looking forward to. So that's what I'm most excited about is all the learning. I know that it's going to be information overload, and that's cool. I'll be able to decipher it, put stuff aside until later and all of that. Um, but that's what I'm looking forward to is learning something completely new. Like Clover said, learning a new vocabulary, learning. I mean, it's everything's going to be different from – the CQB handgun tactical stuff that I'm really good at. Now this is completely different. This is patience. This is precision. This is uh, making those adjustments and all of that where that's not where my comfort zone is. So that's what I'm really looking forward to for sure. When it comes um, to yeah. long range precision shooting, the data is the scariest part of it. And yeah. I think that turns off a lot of people from long range shooting that. And also there's not many long range ranges out there, but it's so gratifying when you take that, that one mile shot, you squeeze that trigger. There's enough time that after that shot breaks, you do proper follow through and you still yeah. have enough time to pull your ear pro off and hear that yeah. impact down range. Now, <laughs> You know, it's one of those things where I, I guess I got really excited a few years back after meeting Charlie for the first time in Vegas. And he goes out and tries to shoot 6,000 yards a few months later out in Utah. And it sounds crazy. He, he didn't hit 6,000 yards. His last shot, he missed by 30 yards. And people don't realize it's 6,000 yards. Missing a target by 30 yards That's is close. like nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you don't make an adjustment with that. You can't make an adjustment. It's like, no. I'm going to go the same spot and just maybe it hits, you know. They're straight uh, up ordering rounds at that point. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, that's kind of where it got. It was like, oh, okay. So that's – and I was talking with Clover, you know, and Clover and I talk a lot. And it comes down to I was not a sniper designated marksman in the Marine Corps. Um, had some guys that were really good shots. I could have seen myself as the secondary or the, egg, or, or the, the spotter, if you will. Because for me, the math side of shooting is what I like. I'm a math, I like math. I know that sounds nerdy. I've I, always been good with math. But like I don't know, it was AWAG or Elther said that the, the math, the calculations, that's the side that I think is fun, is the calculation side of it. So that, like I said, I'm looking forward to this for a lot of reasons, um, for sure. Now, my buddy Lance out there off the X, I guess I need to get a second job. You and me both, brother. <laughs> uh, I do understand that this is going to be an expensive hobby, but I don't have to spend all of it right away. It's going to be spent over years. I get it. Um, but, yeah, so we were talking about, was it the, the, the Kestrel? 
before you guys jumped in, Clover and Rogan are talking about the Kestrel. That's one of the things a lot of people said um, that is really, really good. But a lot of people said once you get past a certain point and you can make a lot of those calls, the barometric stuff in the wind, kind of figure it out what it is, that there's some really good apps. Um, yeah. That you could use or as well. So I, you know, who knows? So yeah, if you're competition shooting, those guys are they're going to have a kestrel. They're yeah. they're going to get the the temperature, elevation, barometric pressure, all that stuff of where they're shooting at. Matter of fact, a lot of those guys are re-zeroing, especially if they're traveling hundreds and hundreds of miles to different elevations, different temperature yeah. ranges. Their yeah. zero will be completely different, and they'll they they're going to have those those kestrels out there for sure yeah yeah um yeah it's one of those things oh go ahead go ahead but go ahead one thing that i i see i guess i guess this is uh the kind of the the line in the road uh essentially between um elfzer and uh i hope i pronounced that right um uh between him and i is uh you know i'm not trying to be the competition shooter i'm i'm the you know, sit in one spot for 10 minutes to make one shot and hopefully, yeah. you know, mash that, that uh, milk jug at a mile, you know. Uh, I'm pushing for absolute, uh, essentially absolutes. Um, a lot of people like to use the, the Kestrels. Um, barometric pressure, temperature, they're all super important. Um, however, I see a lot of people focusing too much on the wind aspect of the kestrels and you have to realize that you're holding a little device that's measuring the wind at your feet essentially Mm -hmm. Um, it's not measuring the wind you know 600 yards Uh, there have been uh, a couple cases where i look through my scope and a good way to to check for wind this is how i was uh told to check for wind is you start with the parallax as close as you can to um to essentially where you're shooting from. And then when you push it out farther, you'll see the, uh, the vapor, um, mirage, the, the mirage and wherever the wind is pushing that mirage, you'll see where the mirage is moving to. And as you push that parallax out farther and closer to your target, you'll see what the wind is doing from, uh, you know, midway to your target, to your, uh, so at your target, that's where the wind is going to mostly affect your bullet. It's interesting because when I was when we were out in Texas with Charlie, <coughs> excuse me, goodness gracious, we were uh, at his range out there and we were shooting at a thousand, and he started talking about the Mirage and all of that. And I remember the Mirage teachings in the Marines and all that. Uh, but he was talking about after a while, you can just look at the Mirage and figure out what wind speed is just over time. And it's like, wow, that's. You know, I always thought Mirage was giving you an idea of which direction, but he was like, after a while, you can just see the Mirage and you can figure out within a few, a couple miles an hour yeah. what that wind speed is. I'm like, that's crazy. So, um, yeah. And now Clover was talking last night about the wind socks and the wind flags. We had a bunch of those out and all that. And, you know, obviously he was saying that after a while, you can look at the wind socket that have at most ranges and figure out what within a mile or two an hour um what the what the wind speed is and all that so um you know clove i want to bring you back in do you have anything that you want to add what we've been talking about anything that we need to uh talk about that you might have made a note on yeah they're covering it really well 
Yeah. Um, G wants to know, and I'll, I'm going to start with Rogue, and we'll get down the line here. Your favorite long-range shooting range you have shot at? Coolest long-range shooting range you know of? Um, either one. If you haven't shot a long-range, what's one you've heard of? Uh, so the range that I'm allowed to shoot at um, is it, it's basically a lake. I get to shoot over a lake, which is really cool because if you fall short of your target, you see that splash. Yeah. And um, it, it's kind of confusing too, is you get to see in the water where the wind is moving so you can get a better idea of what that wind yeah. is doing. Um, Absolutely. But like, it's cool. I, I think there's a little bit of it in, in the video on my channel where I had my buddy shoot, shoot the mile with my 300 wind mag. Um, mm. But you basically sit up on a bank and you're shooting over a lake at these steel targets that are around the, um, around the, yeah, the perimeter cool. of the lake. It's really cool. That is pretty fun to go check that out. Rogue, what about you? Well, since I don't really shoot long range, we can get about 600 yards in the range that I shoot at. Uh, but I know a few people here that are, are shooting the precision rifle. Um, there's a range, it's in Townsend, Montana that they're shooting at that they're going out uh they're going out over a thousand yards at and i know that there's a couple of guys in bozeman montana that they're warming up at 1400 yards they're warming and, up uh, they're warming okay. they're warming up at 1400 and uh those guys aren't shooting at a range they're they're, probably, they're out in the national sure. oh they're out, well, no, land they're, they're out in the national forest yeah Warming up at fourteen hundred—that's awesome. Good grief! Yeah, that sounds like fun. It's a club of about 10, 10 of them. They, they get together and it's just kind of a informal thing. They're all—they're all formal. They're all military once there. they get there, it is not informal. I will guarantee yeah. you, it gets real competitive yeah, exactly. real quick. <laughs> at least if you're if you're around me, it's going to get competitive. I might suck, but it's going to be competitive. Uh, Clover, what about you? Uh, longest range you shot at? What are some really cool ranges that you know of? Mm, longest I've shot at probably is 1,500 meters. It's going to be the same as the, you know, the range probably. I, You know, if you're talking about a long range range anyway, that um, I like to shoot at. And it's got... Um, the fun thing about it, don't get me wrong, it, it sucks lugging the 50 up, you know, five stories. I would but, imagine. Um, <laughs> um, but they've got a five-story tower, and uh, it's it's really cool to shoot long distance at different heights and things and play around with that. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, now, I know you didn't shoot long range there, but you've been over to the CMP range in Talladega. That, mm -hmm. that thing's pretty awesome. Yeah, do you, do you know what that goes out to off the top of your head? Do you remember? Mm, pretty sure it's. I'm pretty sure it goes out to a thousand for sure. Okay, I'm okay. pretty sure about that. It's a long freaking way that the main range is. I know that. Right. Okay. So I'm pretty sure because they hold all kinds of matches there. So I would think <laughs> it would almost have to be at least that. At least a thousand. Yeah, Elster. What about you, man? Oh, uh, Toby. You know, I got a 300, 600 yard range just outside of town. My friend's got a 1200 yard range uh, at a farm. Uh, it's about a half hour drive. 
Um, about the furthest I've ever shot, like I said, was when I went to that Palmetto State Armory event, uh, Media Days event, and we shot a mile. Uh, that was really fun at the Clinton House uh, range down in North Carolina. Uh, it was a pretty cool event. They had pretty much every firearm that they had with all the ammo you could possibly shoot. And uh, one of the stages was a mile uh, with their 6.5 Creedmoor AR. Uh, like I said, we, we literally had that scope maxed out on the turret and we had it maxed out on the reticle you literally couldn't go any further south on the reticle anymore you wouldn't have seen anything and uh, it was pretty crazy man i mean we we were stretching that that six five as far as we could possibly get it and we were we were all ringing it all day long i mean we were all freaking <laughs> ringing that thing all day long and it was pretty cool you, you, you pull that trigger and um like your fellow uh, friend here said, you know, you, you pull that trigger and you got to wait like three seconds, you know, to see if you hit it or not. It's pretty neat. The, the crazy thing when Charlie was shooting out and, and uh, they were filming and, and, and um, streaming it so I could watch it. Uh, I would have loved to have been there uh, in person, but he was out in Utah. 26 second travel time at six over 6,000 yards. Oof. I mean, it was just crazy to think that, like, they had to move the tent back because it was so weird that he was shooting through the canopy. Yeah, it's a very I mean, it's six thousand yards, you know. Um, but he was literally like twenty six second, so he'd shoot, and then you'd see him kind of just like look around. And at about thirty seconds, we started waiting to hear back from downrange. Like on the radio, hey, you missed, or hey, you know, a hundred yards short, or you know. 200 yards to the left or whatever it was making if they could see the the impact but it was 26 second travel time like that's freaking crazy and like that awg 1000 saying you know I mean, yeah guys that professionally shoot are you <laughs> but there are apps out there if i was to recommend one it'd probably be strelock uh, it's a yeah, special app where you can enter in your uh, muzzle velocity your sight height uh, which yeah. is the distance from the firing pin to the middle of the scope um, you can enter in as much information as you possibly can, along with your bullet flavor that you're using. Um, and it will get you pretty damn close. Um, you know, if I was to recommend one, that would probably be, it, especially for just starting out. And yep. it really boils down. It is all about purpose. You know, if you, if you want like a hybrid situation where you want something for hunting in long range, you know, or maybe something like a Tika teeth, uh, T3 CTR yeah. or something in a 6.5 yeah. Creamer, that'd be a, probably a good option for a hybrid situation. Or, you know, if you want something that's strictly target shooting and you, you're probably going to want the heaviest damn rifle you can get. It just depends on the situation. Yeah, I, I don't know if you were here when I, when I uh, in the beginning, I was saying that uh, I've kind of settled on for right now the Bergara B14, the BMP in 6.5. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm looking forward to getting that and all the that. The are probably one of the best bang for your bucks. So. Yeah, that's what everyone has kind of said, and, and that's and I had never really heard of it. And Clover is the one that kind of turned me on to the Bergara. Um, so thank you, by the way. Uh, but it was it came down ultimately came down to the Bergara and the Tika T3X Tac, and uh, I think I went, I went with the Bergara. But it's just one of those where I'm looking forward to getting into this. Like I said, I know that I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. I'm going to get my ass kicked. I know that I'm going to be the dumbass that doesn't know anything for a while but give me a year and i'll know a lot more and and, and more importantly 
the the journey will be fun, you know, and, and maybe I can help the next guy who's come up with the same journey and having buddy with Lance and Buck out there there maybe take this journey with me. Uh, be fun to go out there and three of us. If nothing else, we might come in dead last, but between the three of us, we'll have our own damn competition at a, at a match or something. You know, we'll we'll say, hey, the loser buys lunch on the way home or something. You know, we'll I, have we'll figure out a way. You know, I, every time I have somebody out at at the lake, like I'll I'll tell them like I'll make little competitions. Be like, hey, I bet you can't yeah. hit that five inch gong at a thousand, and you know, we always make little competitions. So like. Ghost, if you're ever in South Carolina, just hit me up. I'll make. I would love to come shoot you, bro. Like I said, I try to stay clear of South Carolina because I want to stay away from Night Strike. I mean, we could probably Um, smuggle you in. All right, all right. Uh, But I've got a friend of mine. You know, Michael Woodland lives in 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 Columbia and all that. And I've got some friends in South Carolina that are are good buddies. Uh, We might have to get Woodland to come along too because he used to for a while. I know he had a Ruger, uh, Ruger Precision. And he was doing some long range stuff back in the day. I don't know if he is anymore, but uh, we definitely can make something happen for sure. Um, I'm looking for, and I'll go shoot with anyone. I, I, it's all about, like, like Buck says, it's all about having fun. Um, now, Idaho Rogers out there, he says, wait a minute, please don't use hunting and long range in the same sentence. There is an ethical line that shouldn't be crossed. I get that. I get that from some people. You have the precision guys and you have the hunting guys. Very few times are they meshing together. I don't know. I tell you, I don't, I'm I don't have a problem with it if you're using the right equipment to do it in the right place. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And- and that's kind of where my research comes in is I kind of want to like blur that line, basically make a lightweight system that you can basically pop a soda can at a mile. Uh, I know that's a tall yeah. order for a lightweight gun, but if you're into like metallurgy, like I am with stress relieving technology that's coming out, it's, it's possible. It is possible. However, it's going to be expensive. <laughs> no, I hear you. Now, G23 says, speaking of smuggling me in, he says, I heard it goes will fit in a duffel bag. Hell, I'll fit in a, a backpack, bro. Maybe even a fanny pack if you're lucky. If you bend me enough, I'll, I can fit in a fanny pack. Uh, now, this is a question for you guys, uh, everyone out there, uh, Elfsters, AWAG, Clover, Rogue. Uh, our good friend Guns and Barbecue has limited eyesight um, when it comes down to blindness and all that. He has limited eyesight. So his question is any optic recommendations with a heavy reticle reinforce them i have very limited vision i have a tc performance center uh that i bought right before he went blind never shot it yet so can you guys maybe help him out with a possible um heavy reticle recommendation for for that it's kind of a predicament because ultimately you want to have a lot uh you basically want to have the most light transfer between mm-hmm. your reticle and your eye and when you start wanting to get more light transmission due to a a lack of um you know Vision. proper things going on in your in your eyeballs you know you start getting into really expensive territory like um the I'm basically blind if I don't have my glasses on. So I kind of fall into that same thing. Um, You know, with the loophole Mark five HD, that glass is incredibly clear. Um, And if I don't have my glasses on, I still kind of struggle to see the the reticle. So 
it's it's kind of like a predicament that is it's I, I I'm not quite sure how to answer it except go for yeah, an expensive yeah. scope. And I know that most of the time people don't have the kind of money to drop on a two, three thousand dollar scope. I mean, I, I would just say, you know, buy the best, clearest glass that you can afford. But I think more importantly, I'd be looking at whether or not you're getting a second vocal plane or a first vocal plane. You got to keep in mind with the first vocal plane that reticle is on the front lens above the magnification uh, set. And that reticle will grow in size with the magnification and will shrink with the low end magnification. And if you have very bad eyesight, you're going to have a hell of a time seeing that reticle at all with the first vocal plane or FFSP scope on the lowest magnification. Even halfway through the magnification, it's pretty hard to see. Uh, you're probably going to be better served with a second focal plane where the reticle is on the, the rear uh, lens behind the, uh, the magnification erector set inside the tube. And that reticle will stay the same size all the way through the magnification. It doesn't matter if you, if you get, for example, a 6 to 24. If it's on 6 power, the reticle will be the same size as it is all the way up to 24. That reticle in, in size does not change. But keep in mind that those subtensions do not stay true through that magnification range with a second focal plane. Um, it does with the first focal plane. Uh, that Those subtensions, that reticle will grow in size with that magnification. But like I said, you're going to have a hell of a time, especially in the low magnification with FFP scope. So, so you might want to look at a second focal plane, but you got to remember your subtensions more times than not are only true at the highest magnification. Let me ask you guys this. Um, with him being that his eyesight is impaired and it's 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 not great, would maybe an illuminated reticle possibly help him? Um, most most illuminated yeah. reticles are only good at, at dusk or dawn. I've rarely seen any yeah. that are daylight bright. It's pretty rare. Well, um, I had and now granted this is a pretty expensive scope. This is a thirty two hundred dollar scope, brand new. Um, you could pick them up on the used market for way cheaper now, but I had a Steiner military uh, 3 to 12 uh, by 50, and that had an illuminated reticle. It was a mill dot reticle, and it would illuminate the last, oh, if I remember correctly, it was the last two mills of the reticle itself. So it's the center crosshair, essentially. Right. So when you yeah. had that backed out to three power and you look through the scope, you'll see just a little tiny little a plus little side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that was a very bright scope, even during, you know, a clear day. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of FFP optics, so on the lowest magnification, especially if they're illuminated, will look like a red dot. You can't yeah. make out those subtensions. And if you're having a hell of a time, especially with blurry vision, especially if you have astigmatism, you're going to have a hell of a time reading those subtensions, especially on the lower magnifications. So, you know, it just depends on purpose again. If you're trying to do holdovers through the magnification range, you need an FFP scope. You're going to have a hell of a time reading those subtensions on the lower magnification. Yep, he says glass clarity isn't his issue. The issue ends up being the subtensions are super small and high-end scopes. He has budget Bushnells and Tascos that he can see, um, but they're not going to cut it. But uh, yeah, so yeah. that on a, a second focal plane or SFP optic, that reticle will not change in size to the magnification range. It'll be a lot easier to read. Usually, that's a you know, and 
you got to remember though that those subtensions are only true more times than not on the highest yeah. magnification unless the manufacturer says likewise and your bullseye will always stay constant through the entire magnification range it's just your subtensions will not right now um to rebut that just a little bit um if you have an app like um the straylock pro that's what i use yeah uh best 12 dollars <laughs> i've ever spent on the app store mm -hmm. um you can set up your rifle your ammo all that jazz um, yep. if you're using a second focal plane you can set it to that magnification and it'll yep. it'll poop out that uh those numbers for that sub tension at that magnification and that's true if you have the time yeah yeah yep. well i know though this chat could go on for another 16 hours uh and i think we're going to probably continue this on the next few weeks um, but I do want to say thanks to AWAG, Elster, obviously Clover and Rogue. I want to give each of you guys some time to talk about um, anything else that we need. We you know that you want to bring up real quick. More importantly, like I want to start with AWAG. Um, you know, I know that you have some pretty cool videos, and you're talking about the the video you had at your range over the pond. Tell people where they can find you, what kind of stuff that you're putting out, any projects that you have going on. More importantly, just tell people that where they can find you on uh, on the social medias. Um, okay, so I have an Instagram, AWAG1000. It's a picture of a cat. Um, uh, my YouTube channel is AWAG1000. It's a picture of a cat. Um, <laughs> let's see. You could probably find me on... Um, uh, what's that thing? Discord. I have my own little Discord where I just talk about guns all the time. Uh, I'll probably throw a link into the chat here. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know. Have... Uh, throw it in there and I'll, uh, I'll throw it out for sure. Coolio. Um, just be sure to uh, read the rules because uh, I'm pretty. Rules. Yep, I got <laughs> rules. No, I hear you. you need rules sometimes, man. Let me do it. There we go. There we go. So let me put this. I'll put this out in the chat for you. Well, yeah, but thanks for coming on, bro. Uh, there is a good chance that I will be reaching out to you and Elster a lot, if you don't mind, and, and kind of bounce stuff off of you and all of that stuff. I really do appreciate you coming on because you made a lot of sense and a lot of stuff. I know that there's a lot of stuff being thrown. I've got <laughs> I've got three pages of notes I've been taking tonight. Um, but I'll just be I'll using you guys. What's that? Just scratching the surface. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> I, I hear you. Uh, but thanks, AWAG. Appreciate coming in. Uh, Elster, let people know where they can find you, what projects you have going on, and there's anything else you want to get out to the people. Uh, so obviously, Elster's Rifles and Reloading, my channel. Uh, you can check out my playlist. I have numerous start to finish reloading series i can't teach you how to make a specific cartridge in one video but i have it broke up into individual parts for like brass prep dropping powder seeding bullets how to how to uh, bump your headspace back from fire form correctly or uh you know playing around uh powder drops and barrel harmonics or playing around bullet jumps and how to correctly seat your bullets at a particular seating depth uh, so check out my playlist areas. I have extensive, extensive, uh, not only showing you, and a lot of them are even live, um, but actually taking those reloads out to the range and actually watching those bullets impact paper to show you that accuracy. Um, you know, I, 
like I, I'm always going live quite a bit, so definitely check that out. Um, but yeah, it's just usually my YouTube channel, and I'm out there to help. So if you if you have any questions, not only obviously on reloading, but long distance rifle shooting. Matter of fact, I just did a couple of videos on very inexpensive FFP optics. It's great for the starter long range shooter uh, with the Vortex Venom, very similar to the Vortex Strike Eagle. It's a five to that twenty-five. Was the one that I was really looking at at first was a Strike Eagle. Yeah, and, and I, I was almost ready to pull that trigger, and then I got added on to some Athlon and some different stuff. So now I'm, I'm like, oh shit! Yeah. All right, now I'm gonna start this again. <laughs> yeah, I, it is. It's a rabbit hole. It's so many different rabbit holes to go down. But like I said, if you got any questions, uh, I'll um, you usually yeah. just jump on Facebook, send me a message, a messenger off my Elsers Rifles and Reloading page, and I'll try my best to help you. Right on. I appreciate you coming on, bro. Uh, Rogue. I know that you're probably in the same boat I was, so I just sat back and listened tonight, which is wonderful because I gained a lot of knowledge tonight, um, enough knowledge to make me absolutely dangerous because I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but it was wonderful to listen to these guys. Um, I know that you're probably in the same boat that I am, but uh, yeah, tell me where they can find you, what projects you have going on, and if you have any last-minute questions for these guys while we're here, go for it. Yeah, I, uh, I'll start off with the last minute questions. I don't. I am just trying to absorb everything I'm learning tonight. Um, uh, Ghost, I do expect a full copy of your notes from tonight's show. I'm going to uh, uh, have to spend the next 17 hours transcribing this chat, and it will be on paper form eventually. I'll send a PDF to and, you. And and I want I want you to sit next to me in the test so I can look off your, your test. Well, as long as Elster, A Wagger, Clover is there, I'm sitting next to them. So, hey, it's what it is. You know, there we go. I'll have my uh, piece and they'll be telling me the answers. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, but no, it's a, it's been a great it's been a great show. I've learned so yeah. much. Uh, I, I think I've learned more tonight than I think I have in the past two months of just looking stuff up myself. Yeah. Um, so, guys, thanks for thanks for jumping on because it's yeah. it definitely. Yeah. It's definitely cutting some uh, cutting some corners. No doubt. But, no uh, doubt. And, and it's, it's stuff like this. This is what I'm looking forward to is going to yeah. my first match. I'm gonna my first two matches I'm gonna go to. I'm not even gonna shoot, I'm just gonna watch. But this is the kind of stuff is is talk to these guys between stages and all of that about what they're doing and all that. That's what I'm looking forward to is having yeah. these type of conversations with people, you know. It's the best way you're gonna learn is just jumping in head first, man. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, uh, other what than that, projects you got going on. Uh, I am going back to a little bit of basics this on the the Friday video this week. We're going to talk a little bit about the P three sixty five, and if you bought the gun with a manual safety, that you can actually strip that safety out and go to a, a normal P three sixty five or. Maybe if you had a, bought a P365 without a manual safety and you want to put one in, uh, I'll show you how to do that too. So we're going to go back to a little bit of gunsmithing on uh, on pistols. but um, And then we're going to come back with a few product videos for the next few weeks as well. So, but th you know, thanks for having me on. This was, this was an amazing night. Uh, and, yeah, and I can't say thank you enough for the, for the YouTube for jumping in and, uh, and going through some of this stuff. For yeah, sure. Anytime. G23 says he's going to need a notes from tonight, an audio book for him. Well, it's called Replay. 
or you can find it on iHeartRadio or Spotify or I, Apple Podcasts or any of those. That would be just as much of an audio book as you can find. Uh, no, how uh, it's it, I guarantee the PDF is going to be about 60 pages. So just be on the lookout. Uh, Chloe, you've been, uh, you've been a, a pretty good um info person for me for the last few years when it comes to this not that you have extensive knowledge in actual prs and all of that but you've been experienced with comp uh, competitions and precision shooting my competition level has never really been precision it's been yeah. pistol running gun so your precision stuff your knowledge on different optics and rifles and ballistics and all that has been uh, valuable to me but uh yeah thanks for thanks for always kind of being there Anything that we need to, that you want to touch on before we leave, more importantly, um, let us know where we can find you and what projects you have. No, I mean, I think it's been uh, covered at length, you know. It's yeah, that's great. Really great. good stuff. I mean, anybody interested definitely needs to, to hit up a replay probably a few oh, times. Um, yeah, I mean, I, if folks don't know where to find me, then – they don't deserve to find me. That's usually what I say. So, <laughs> uh, thanks for uh, thanks for the chat. Yeah, um, yeah. For me, it was man. This was awesome. Um, it was going great before both of you guys jumped in, and then it just took like this massive turn into awesomeness. So, uh, and I know, like I said, I know that I am going to be so far behind the eight ball for a while. But I, you know, the one thing that I pride myself in is, is I don't take myself too seriously enough to where I'm going to get discouraged. I know that I'm going to get my ass beat. I know that I'm going to be behind the eight ball, but that's, that's part of the journey that I'm looking for. Cause, um, I do see myself taking it ultra competitively cause that's the way I am naturally, but I've got to go through this stage to get to there and I'll appreciate it more, um, when I get there, it's, uh, and maybe I'll help some people along the way, uh, for sure. If it doesn't help me, there's a lot of people that are where I am, but have a little bit more knowledge where you guys are speaking Greek to me tonight on some issues, you made perfect sense to others. So it's not just me. You guys are helping. You're helping out a lot of people out there. Um, more importantly, someone brought it up earlier. Don't get discouraged. Um, I'm not discouraged. If anything, I'm more excited now than I was two hours ago. If you're out there watching and replay or listening in, in, in podcast form, um, don't get discouraged because the best thing that you can do is, is like Elster and way wagon on jump in, just jump in the deep end and see, um, if you don't even know if you like it, surely you have someone that might own, a rifle, even if it is 308 or whatever, but someone might own a rifle. They might let you try to test out and just see if you're able or willing to shoot at 500 yards or 800 yards or a thousand yards just to see if you like it before you jump in those waters. That's what I did when I went out of Texas and was shooting with Charlie down there. My mind was made up that, okay, I've always wanted to try this. Now I know I'm going to, I'm going to try this. And it took me a couple of years with all the cough, cough, all that stuff. But I really am looking forward uh, to this to this journey, and uh, so I'm going to spend the next several months getting all of my gear and my rifle, the optic, and all that stuff, getting all of the the 
ammo worked out, all that stuff. And then hopefully by next spring, I'm able to at least go and watch the first two matches or so and listen and learn and then jump in. Like I said, jump in the deep end and see if I can swim or sink. Hopefully I, I can swim. So uh, I hope that there are other people out there that got as much out of this conversation as I did. We're going to be talking about this for a while because this is my mission this winter. So I'm not saying it's going to be every week, but there's going to be a lot of the stuff going on over the next few months. So come take the ride with me and we're going to have some videos on this stuff as well. And hopefully AWAG and Elfster, you'll be willing to come back on the show or sometime. I, I'd love Absolutely. to have you guys on. Sure. Um, and obviously Rogue and Clove, you're always are, are part of it. And I love you guys. And uh, thanks. You, like, seriously, thank you guys. I, I know that. Um, there's a lot of people that probably turn this off or like, I don't even know what the other talking about. I didn't either, but I'm writing it down and I'm going to go learn what this terminology is. I was, Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, write that down, Google that and go find out. But that's part of the learning process. And I'm looking forward to that. So, um, it is what it is, but thank you so much for you guys showing up. Thank you everyone in the live chat. Awesome chat tonight. Um, you guys have some great questions. You brought a lot of great insight. Obviously, AWAG and Elster started out in the chat, ended up in here. So thank you to them once again. If you're watching and replay or listening in podcast form, the conversation doesn't have to stop right now. Utilize the comment section below. Ask any questions. Make any comments. If you have a question for Rogue or Clover or Elster or AWAG, go ahead and put those in the comment section. I'll make sure I get those questions to them as well. So uh, I was going to say thank you so much for uh, jumping on tonight, guys. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you soon. Simplify.